Hello and welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. My name is Tom Chick and I am here with Christian Mulaski. It's Mulaski Christian in the Mandarin version. <laughs> and I'm um, looking so forward to some of this. With our Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword Destiny tagline or taglines, Kelly Wand. It's like Goonies if every kid was data. Go on, Kelly Wand. Don't oh. let me stop you. Just run with them. Now, in English. <laughs> Although, I take issue with that, but go ahead. We'll get to that. Yeah, one. Tom's the only person. Shut up. I don't even want to hear it because I know – it's not my fault, by the way. Anyway, we'll get to that. Go on, Kelly Wan. I was hungry again for more wire foo half an hour later. <laughs> I feel like some of these are low-hanging fruit. Do you have any that are more ambitious, Kelly Wan? Uh, excuse me. After that uh, opening song you just did, but uh, I'm doing slow hanging <laughs> I only have one more. Um, All right, low-hanging foo. Defying gravity doesn't work on ice, white man! <laughs> Sorry. There won't be much of that, I promise. Oh, come on! They're better. What? That's what they're clamoring for. Low-hanging fruit. It's low-hanging. Speaking of fruit, Kelly Wand, yeah. what if Dingus and I were to vie for a single apple? Like, say, it was rolled into the court of the gods, and both Dingus and I were to fight over it. <laughs> What? <laughs> really? Hard. Wow. Sorry. Man, Sorry. this this podcast has really descended. This is descended. In Asia, that's a compliment to the chef, by the way. You sound kind of far away from your mic, Tom. All right, there. I fixed it. So much better. Thank you. Um, Kelly Wan, what I'm getting at is I'd like you to. Yeah, I don't understand. Your, your cone is too uh, convoluted. Can you Asian it down a little? Just have, what if me and Dingus got in a fight? How would you determine who won? What kind of fight? A kung fu fight? No, uh, IMDb plot synopsis fight where you oh. read the synopsis and whichever one of us guesses it first wins the sword of destiny. Oh, so how white people fight? You tell me. Imagine okay. we're both standing on a big bamboo ranch. Ranch? Branch. Jesus. Oh, branch. I'm sorry. I have a bad. I have a bum ear today. Okay, here's your. Uh, Battle of Challenges. Now, you promised me last week this one would skew towards me, that I would be I more did. likely to win. You did. I mean, oh, yeah, totally would. Okay, good. With that well, in- wait. Mm-hmm. How do you, I mean, is your specialty martial arts movies? Oh, great. As I thought it was. Probably that's more not, so than Dingus, though. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, that's probably by that. <clears throat> A romantic police captain. <laughs> the Departed. Drunken master. Do you see that phrase as being he's a captain of the romantic police or (laughs) (laughs) breaks a beautiful member of a rebel group out of prison to help her rejoin her fellows, but things are not what they seem. It just seems like all that's happening. Equilibrium. Uh, Got to admit that was a good guess. That is a pretty good guess. I like that. 
So basically, okay. if neither Dingus or I gets it, I should win based on that guess. Sadly, this isn't a good guess contest, is it? <laughs> That's next week. All right. Uh, wait, Dingus hasn't even guessed. He's just too furious. He guessed. He guessed one earlier. I'm sorry. I'm going to get the other guys. A romantic police captain breaks a beautiful member of a rebel group out of prison to help her rejoin her fellows, but things are not what they seem. Oh, that was the end of it. That's all we get. Yeah. That's it? Well, it's a, you know, some things are best in one sentence. V for Vendetta? (laughs) That's not a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is bullet to the head a sentence? Uh, Yes, the way I, yeah. Bull and let are two words. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, House of Flying Daggers, so that's a big movie, I guess. Mm. Well, well. Well, so uh, if it were – so who wins, Kelly? Why don't you say – I would have guessed uh, the listeners. Of, uh, Silver Darts. It's, a, it's like a raffle minor. So All right. Tom wins because he yep. said equilibrium, which uh, was the only guess at that point. So, Wait, good work, Tom, Tom wins because he gets equilibrium? It but departed that, before that. Well, Dingus, what's your case for your winning? Yeah, I really tried, Dingus. No, I think, they, I think Kelly gets you just the point. Your arms. I really tried. <laughs> Technically, Kelly, he's right. You do get the point. If neither of us gets I get it. Point. I don't get a point. You, you get a point for losing, basically. Yeah. You, you lost. You failed. You've got, uh, and by my calculations, you've got three points over the last like two two months. Yeah. You should have zero. By yeah. the way, this game is supposed to work, Kelly Wand. Nobody likes it if Dingus or I, if neither of us wins. They're, it's like showing up at a soccer game and it ends 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah, Nobody wants that. Nobody they wants like that here where I live. Yeah, you're in Germany. Maybe that flies over there. This is America, Kelly Wand. We don't like that here. I think you had me at no one likes this. <laughs> I, I would like some props, though, for how I made a, a completely <laughs> apt sports comparison. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, what's the sports connection? Soccer. Soccer game, 0-0. Zero, zero. Nobody's satisfied. I, I know enough about sports to know that that happens in soccer. And he understands yeah. that soccer happens in Europe and yeah. not here. Yeah. We have football over here. They have football over there. No, I just don't see the connection between that and the IMDb thing. That's a sport. Because you did a contest with me and Dingus. Neither of us scored, and it ended 0-0. Zero, zero. Contest. We game. didn't even get any penalty kicks. Give us some more for penalty kicks. Yeah. Wait, so I got a point because I'm the referee, though? That's mm-hmm. the soccer analogy? Dingus, yep. get outside of here. What movie? Both get cards. cards. Dingus, why did we see this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, see? Sports. I knew that. Yellow cards, too. Uh, Technical Dingus, foul. Uh, what movie did we see this week? Tell the listeners, without spoiling anything, a little bit about what we saw this week. <laughs> no spoiling, Dingus. Jesus. Don't go offsides, either. God! <laughs> offsides. Oh, man. If, if either of you could explain the offside rule. That's the thing. That's when you go out. So there's the lines on the side of the field in soccer. And when you go out of them, you're offside. Yeah. All right, good. Just um, make your threes. All right. I love that. I love that. How uh, is that wrong? instigating. Kelly Wan, back me up on this. How is that wrong? Uh, that's out of bounds. Offsides is you're on the wrong side of it's the... It's uh, boundaries on the sides of the field. Uh, all right, you guys don't know anything about <laughs> You, circumferences are horizontal. There is no way yeah, offsides is actually there's infinite offsides, so don't even bother explaining it. I just want both of you know the listeners are right now screaming at the podcast. Tom Chick is right; those other two bozos don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's not what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, Tom Chick should be in charge of all sports, is what they're screaming. 
right, Dingus, thanks for letting me wallow around in that and uh, demonstrate my superior knowledge of sports. Let's move on to movies. (laughs) (laughs) And then then we'll do bird calls. Since we just had the World Cup of football, I'm just so sad that everybody has to hear this. Did that really just happen? Yeah, we just had the World Cup of football. That's why people are running around with big old flags on their cars. I always am like, what? What's going on that people do that? And it's no. Did it? We had a soccer match. Hooray world! It was a football. One. Uh, football. This week football. we saw Crouching Tiger, comma Hidden Dragon, colon Sword of Destiny. <laughs> a 2016 American Chinese martial arts adventure action drama movie. coming out of retirement to chase down a stolen MacGuffin. It was directed by Wu Ping Yuan and written by John Fusco, based upon the book Iron Knight Silver Vase by Du Luang. It stars Michelle Yeoh, Donnie Yen, Natasha Lou Bordizo, Hardy Shum Jr., and Jason Scott Lee. Ready to get their candy out? No, I'm looking for my notes because I wrote down the Metacritic and Rotten Tomato thing on my notes and then didn't copy it under the computer, so I have to find Okay, I got it. No one's so interested. Kelly was <laughs> opening his Cheetos or Doritos. Or no, whatever. that was me going through the trash, pulling out my notes. Aha, uh-huh, you busted Tom when you wanted to bust me. All right, Jason Scott Lee. Holy cats. I did not know that he was going to show up. Anyway, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny is rated PG 13. <laughs> For martial arts violence and <laughs> brief partial nudity. I would I would actually yeah. label that some bathing. <laughs> and some bathing. Oh, uh, yeah, that part. Flashback nudity is different. Uh, Flashback nudity wait. is different, I agree. Wait, what, what, Kelly, what would you like to add to this? Intense expressions, <laughs> some disagreements, and unnatural grace. <laughs> Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive for um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny, has 15% of the reviews are positive. 15%. 15? 15. Which 15, though? And the 15, 15 that are positive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. On Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, it is at 47. It's out of 100. Hmm. Uh, the amount of money it made at the box office is zero. Because when the Weinsteins put this together, they cut a deal where basically Netflix picked it up, and they're like, okay, you guys run it, and then day and date, we're also going to have a limited release in theaters, and the theater chains, like one after the other, backed out of the deal, and we're like, and they were like, you know, sorry. I mean, there was like going to be an IMAX release of this it's and like everything. Tarantino all over again. Um, uh, not quite. I, I think uh, it's basically just showing that you can't have a theatrical release. The theatrical releases and video on demand are never going to get along. It's going to yeah. be either or. The, there have been a few experiments. I get that. Oh, I do too. And this was going. This was this was a, a classic example of how that's just not going to work. Right. Uh, they tried to float it with. It. So the box office take of this zero. Um, oh. Although it did, I think it. It's, I, yeah, I did. It released in China. I couldn't tell you those numbers though, because we're not a Chinese podcast. Then um, <laughs> we can do the conversion. Yeah, I don't. I don't do math very well. Uh, uh, I know my sports, but I don't know my math. Hmm. Kelly Wand, here's something I've been waiting for. I am so looking forward to 
you sort of helping me because it's a very complex story. There's a lot of characters, yeah. a lot goes on. Kelly Wan, can you help me keep track of the storyline by relating the things that happen in the movie for me and sort of clarifying it with a with a brief like maybe a synopsis? Is that your name for it? <laughs> I wouldn't begin to guess. There are way too many words in this title for me to know where to cut off and put the opsis bit. So I have no idea. You're going to have to help me out, Kelly Wand. What would a synopsis of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny be called? Cropsis. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would Take be that sword, sword of dopesis. Do you know there's actually a movie about a uh, serial killer called – it might even be found footage – called Cropsy? So, Wait, what if you were to do it? A serial killer is what, what was part of that sentence. Well, it's like, it's like a boogeyman. If you need like antibiotics for it, it's like a boogeyman. It's some folklore thing uh, about a murderer. I think I saw it a long time ago. So, Kaiwan, how would you distinguish the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, sort of destiny synopsis from a cropsy synopsis? Um. Wait, what's the name of the creature of the Black Lagoon monster again? He doesn't have a name, which is weird to me. He's a creature from the Black Lagoon. Huh. Creature. So there's only one of them. If you're going to so call it Oh, the second creature from the Black Lagoon. Another creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, we found a different one. Right, right. And by the way, the Lagoon's green. It was just black and white. Forgive it. That's also its name. All right, what was the question? Which which do I, am I trying I, you to... Know, I just want you to be careful with your name, with your nomenclature, uh, but this this goes for now. Oh, so boy, tell you what. It's very sensitive at the base. Give us the... <laughs> give us the cropses, Kelly Wand. Give it to us. Is that where you measure it from? Uh, I go around. I go off sides on it. <laughs> Good. So I remember the word in time. Crouching tiger, hidden dragon, sort of destinopsis. Well, now I can definitely distinguish it from a cropsy synopsis. So cropsis. Uh, there was a Cree opsis, but would that have been for creep or creed? So ah, you just go. Can't have been for creed since we didn't do that. Well, yeah. If you want to cheat. <laughs> Dingus, you just went off sides, all right? Go back to the penalty box. Are, are, you, are you gonna be a yellow card now? Throwing a red card in a on the front. Throwing the a towel in the ring. Just like Creed. Actually, I don't would know you think Stallone that. not winning the Oscar? I haven't too. seen Creed, so I, I couldn't I couldn't speak to that. Oh my Did god, we're not gonna do Oscar talk on this podcast. Forget the Oscars. Kelly Wan, um, give us the synopsis. I'm, I'm will always he will always refuse he will always refuse <clears throat> to find an Oscar talk. Yeah, I'm vetoing Oscar talk. All right, Kelly Wan, synopsis, go. Tangerine Dream, the girl who jumped off the cliff at the end of <laughs> Crotihid One. I'm so glad I'm so glad you led with that. You were so wrong last week. I am so glad <laughs> I was. Way. Yeah. It, yeah. It's so awesome. I called you stupid that. too. So I not know. only yeah, <laughs> and I believe you because I've seen I've seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon like like ten times. I love that movie, and I couldn't believe that I forgot that Michelle Yeoh apparently died at the end. I knew someone jumped off the mountain. I was like, that was I Michelle thought that was her. I don't think Tom, so. you own the movie. That's what's so awesome about it. You well, I know. It's, I, I've literally seen that movie like ten times. I mean, I've, yeah. I've watched it. Well, I call Tom stupid. He knows to think it's possible. That is true. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I'm glad to hear you copying to the fact that you didn't know what you were talking about for once. Well, and it made me laugh with – and I was dumb about something else, too, in the same podcast. Oh, good. I look forward to hearing about this. No, it was um, – It was Tangerine Dream. Yeah, it was Tangerine Dream. So they're both here. <laughs> Wait. Damn it, Dingus. You're Sorry. supposed to be on my side, offside. I'm, I'm totally on your side. Oh, uh, three by three. Wait. 
You're the referee, aren't you? Disregard. Mm-hmm. Sheriff. Tangerine Dream, the girl who jumped off the cliff at the end of Crow to Hit 1, <laughs> now stands by a cliff. <laughs> While her stagecoach watches, draws her sword, and goes, It has been 15 years since last... <laughs> Some call that a compliment. I call it a curse of destiny. I mean sword! <laughs> she walks around. <laughs> uh, it's a long one, too, so glad you in good spirits. A man with a hat watches while someone off screen plays Chinese air guitar. Remember that part? Since there's nothing for her to kill on the cliff, she decides to take a shortcut through a forest. Her stagecoach driver's all, Hey, there's a spear coming at my... (laughs) Sorry, I thought I was going to sneeze. Yeah, so there's a spear coming at my... Bunch of guys with spears stab the coach, then wait for her to emerge from it and attack them. One of them turns into the sun. So he runs away. Thanks to her martial arts skills, Tangerine Dream's feet can move on dirt slowly. The man with the hat reveals his face is not a son. The other spear guys scream in horror and run away. Then the hat guy runs away also. Tangerine Dream watches him run for a while, then loses interest, then looks at the mask of one of the spear guys, then finds a horse somewhere. It loses interest. A hot girl is brought to a bald man at a temple. (laughs) He's all, Guards, why have you brought this sexy girl to live among us? (laughs) We have our dusty squirrels to entertain us. The guards exchange confused looks. He's all, Woman visitor, we appreciate your support, but your candidacy as a member of the masked men religion seems unlikely at this juncture. Uh, A, you're not wearing a mask, and B, your manhood is far from visible at this angle. (laughs) She's all, I seek hell's taint. Oh, that is my first name. (laughs) In American. She immediately draws her sword and starts attacking everybody. Some wires happen. Eventually, she loses interest and flies away using the tall rocks the monks decorate their courtyards with. Meanwhile, the sun guy meets a woman with eyes in a fog woods. They exchange plot points, and the eyes woman goes to the bald man and taunts him by saying how she saw the sword in the other scene. (laughs) Tangerine Dream rides into the city of spinning plates on a horse. Most of the locals don't find her arrival very exciting. She visits an old man. They talk about old times and how awesome it was when Chow Yun-Fat taught his spinning class. She's all, that is why we never married. She looks at a piece of wood. She's all, why you cover it up? She lifts the wood, takes out a whistles, then covers it up. Uh, an excruciatingly hot Asian girl walks on screen. <laughs> Tangerine Dream whistles again. She's a humming, humming. Who's the dame? 
The old man's actually not old. He's all, eh, many have come to pay their respects. I believe her name is Juicy Peach Blossom. Oh, my fucking Christ. Look at that hair, Jesus Christ, already. <laughs> that night, the handsome young ninja, despite being 0 for 1 so far, is nevertheless dispatched by the bald man to fail again at something. He sneaks into Plate Village by using CG wires, then breaks into a house to steal a bowl. <laughs> Princess Leah roars up beside me on a skeeter bike. Screamed. Back in 83, I told George to CG out the wire that I used to strangle Jabba the Hutt, but as he wouldn't listen to me. Even I'm the one who's royalty. Read my ex She revs the speeder bike's engine a couple times for emphasis, pops a wheelie, then screeches off, rams into the movie screen, and explodes. Read my ex lips. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so horrible. It's so horrible. What have we done, Dingus? She's a terrible person. I have to take her down. <laughs> Someday you'll thank me. Episode notches. So many notches. The lovably, handsomely dumb ninja sees the sword and decides to grab that too, along with some bases. Unfortunately, Green <laughs> had the same idea about the bowl. They meet cute Asian style, which ends with the ceremonial exposed tattoo. The parents show up. They're all, all right, you two, keep it down. We're trying to sleep through your burglary. They arrest the boy. The girl and the boy exchange young looks as he's dragged off to the hibachi. Tangerine dreams all. Hmm, my grasshopper sense is tingling. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fucking accents that shit. I mean... I suspect these two should not be trusted together. Therefore, I shall train her in a scenic garden while from nearby he watches her squat and spin around all day in sweaty, tight-fitting silk. I look over at Jaden Smith and go, Hey, remember when black and white audiences boycotted after (laughs) 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 That's for Carrie. Take even things out. Tangerine Dream finds a wall covered with posters describing her old ideas. She sighs and covers them up with a poster in Chinese that says, please don't remove this and display it in a tavern, thanks. The second she leaves, the hat guy shows up, tears it off the wall, finds a bar in a different town, displays it, then sits at a table covered in old noodles. A kid comes over with an empty tray. The hat guy squeezes his head affectionately. An Australian guy with a mohawk <laughs> reads the poster. That was <laughs> so weird. That? Yeah. that moment was so weird. It was. It really... Uh, Is that supposed to be his tip? I didn't... I thought maybe some of it was just a cultural, historical difference, Dingus. Like, we're looking at it from, the, from what to them is the future. So. Okay. That's how life was back then. <laughs> the Australian looks at the hat guy, reads the poster, and goes, Ho! Oinly can't one poster and 40 of us. He takes out an axe and starts to attack the hat guy with his 40 friends, who like to eat there at separate tables, but has to wait while the couple other patrons introduce themselves one by one and announce they like the hat guy more. The drunk one's fat. The girl of the group uses needles. I guess they're poison, even though poison was what defined the villainous in the first movie. The characters with dialogue win the fight over the extras and decide to travel together to a campfire. 
<laughs> Tangerine Dream teaches Peach how to sit without a chair, attack pendants, and listen to annoying boys talk a bunch of shit from their stupid cage in the middle of the garden prison dojo gymnasium. Peach shows that she too knows Wirefu and learned it from someone named Marge. Tangerine Dream's all. Your teacher was a woman? Pathetic. The ninja kids all. Perhaps you need a bigger hole. They're all sh- mouth. <laughs> that guy's a rascal. Meanwhile, the hat guy and his motley friends arrive in town. At the sight of him, Tangerine Dream loses interest and walks off. She finds a room, enters it, and sees the hat guy sitting there on his leg without a chair. She's all. I thought you fell off cliff in flashback. Were you first me? He's all. I barely remember even saying this, but I tricked the cliff by not falling off of it. I hung from the penis-shaped rock for many days and nights, contemplating a terrible marriage. Then I went to the Himalayas. There I discovered the gateway to true sanity, swinging a sword around in my underwear on a mountaintop in the middle of a blizzard, farting continuously. Take that, Dalai Lama. She's all, that's the same thing that happened to Pope Dan. after pit a tie fighter to confuse black man. What? What just happened? Wait, what just happened? I like to think of that thing as a gift for me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, oh, frog in throat. Sorry about that. <clears throat> Sorry, Dingus. Excuse me. <clears throat> Outburst. Very rude. That night, the guard guarding the handsome dumbass ninja in his cage is ill. <laughs> All right, wise guy, do not attempt any funny business. I acquired this guard position because Michelle Yeo considers me a highly qualified... <laughs> Peach Juice Wirefoo's into the courtyard considers shaving the ninja through the cage bars money penny style, then goes, Oh, men! And goes to get drunk with the fuckwad brigade instead. The second she's gone, the ninja opens his eyes and smirks. He's all, oh yeah. Pulling the necks, working it out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my legacy. (laughs) Meanwhile, the bald man has a chair-burning party to celebrate the upcoming battle they haven't won yet. He tells the girl with the eyes he knows how to do things. She says words in response. Later, at Secret Hidden Sword Village, Hey, I thought I saw something. Say, did you just hear... <laughs> Gary, what happened? Are you dead? No. Why? Oh, cool. Actually, although I don't feel that close to you. I'd get over your death fairly quickly. In fact, sometimes I even wish for it. By the way, your wife and I... <laughs> Donald, are you hurt? <laughs> oh. No. Why? Eventually, the two lose interest in guard duty and walk off in the middle of the night to go look for another city with walls to be dumb on. Meanwhile, the village is attacked by Hell's Taint and his friends. The girl with eyes kills someone. Two other girls fight with swords till one gets hers stuck in some window paper. The character with mustached fat eyes. Since it's in slow motion, we know to be sad. (laughs) Hell's Taint's all. (laughs) The fat character is dead. We are victorious. Oh yeah, do you guys have the sword? Guards all. Sword? Uh, I thought we were for this priceless vase. He raises an urn, then trips and drops it with a shatter. Hell's Taint rolls his eyes even more than usual. Ugh. Third stupidest bald cult I've ever formed. Come, 
We have killed just enough of them to elicit a terrible and just vengeance. Run away! They all run away. Everyone cries over the fat, bald corpse. Then the hat guy's all, Wait, this is a different guy. Gary's body. <laughs> they take him over. <laughs> he takes them over. He takes them over. He's a charge. Those are all people. God! Dinkus! Offsides! I'm sorry, I apologize. Jesus. The hat guy takes them over to a decapitated body lying in state on a wine barrel. Sniffling, the hat guy's all. He died of doing what he loved best, getting decapitated. Tangerine dreams all. I told you this village would be the safest place to keep the sword. <laughs> Therefore, I shall now take it somewhere dangerous. <laughs> Brooklyn, apparently. <laughs> the movie? Yeah. Meanwhile, Peach Hotness goes to the cage until the lustrist goes, Tell me a flashback of when you were six. Then I'll tell you a flashback of when you were two. He's all. It was a Tuesday. We see him as a kid poking a sleeping old man with a stick. He's all. Randy taught me a lot of things not to bother while he was trying to sleep outside his tent. Peach nods gravely. She's all. Your mother was someone else, by the way. Once she took a bath, Hell's Taint showed up. He looked the same back then. Then in slow motion and black and white, he took out his sword and killed your... Yeah, I think I could connect the dots from here. Thank you. Your mom gave me your tattoo and a handkerchief. She said that if you were a dragon, I was to... Yeah, all right. Yeah. Whatever. Can we just make out? Why don't you do something like this a little more fun? She's all sure. She leaves. <laughs> Didn't think she was going to win that, did you? Hey, the pathetic bald man tries to kill the cage ninja by punching him. He's all, that was for Fatty. Uh, or Larry. Pete all, stop. The pat guy's all, the girl is right. You have stopped. Sympathetically bald character, this is not our way. Take him out and beat him up first. That night to celebrate the slaughter, there's a lantern party. The sympathetic bald man says goodbye to all the lanterns that got ripped during the battle. Sniffling, he's all, Turtle Wax, this is for you. <laughs> he kisses the lantern, then wads it up and chucks it at one of the swans. For a dick, may your journey to paradise be everlasting. He spits his gum into a lantern, sets fire to it, and sets it afloat. Sighing, he looks dreamily at all the hundreds of lit lanterns floating beautifully away out of sight down the lake. Suddenly, his eyes widen, and he starts patting his robes. Shit, has anyone seen my wallet? Ugh. Meanwhile, the ninja bursts out and steals the sword, but for the right reason. So the girl helps him, although she's into him, too, since he saved her life with a yo-yo and some beaver hats. He gets chased by two dudes. I think one's the hat guy, and the other the rock the hat guy hung on to in flashback. They fight on some ice like King Arthur until no one wins. <laughs> the ninja goes to Hell's Taint's temple and goes, Okay, here's the sword you asked me to steal. By the way, I'm here to kill you. He attacks everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they just attack it all? <laughs> I mean, Hell's Taint's used to this, so he's not that upset. Eventually, all the other characters show up to take turns dueling inconclusively with the bald man and each other. The hot girl kills the girl with eyes by aiming for the small hole in her pendant. I lean over to Jaden and go, 
She could also have killed her by just stabbing her outside the pendant. Jaden's all. At least Brolin's not in this shit. Meanwhile, the girl with the eyes tricks her back by stabbing her in the stomach. The handsome character's all, No! He drops his sword and runs over and cradles her hair while all the other combatants stop fighting and clap him on the shoulder reassuringly. He's all, The sitting without a chair trick was the smart play there, you idiot. Tangerine Dream fights a different girl with eyes in the fireplace room. The girl with eyes tries to trick her by making clones and running in slow motion, but Tangerine Dream tricks her back by closing her eyes. The bald man and the hack guy fight. The hack guy wins by using the lamer sword. Outside the <laughs> cradling peach. The ninja saw. I'm really going to miss you, girl character. Hope you don't mind if I scalp a few locks of your hair. She tears away her shirt, revealing a bulletproof vest. I've never been more jealous of Kevlar. We dissolve to the characters riding horses on a slow-motion beach. Tangerine Dream's voiceover is all, and that's how my day went. We decided to do what was best for the sword and go live with it in a cave, far from anything cinematic-looking. The hat guy's all, wait, why are we hiding? We just killed everybody who was after the sword. Tangerine Dream just smiles inscrutably. She's got shit under control. Someone posts a Chinese scroll on a tavern wall that says, Lanterns Avenged a Temple Massacre. Some words are all written and directed by Ang Lee's stunt puppeteer. The end. Thank you, Kelly Warren. <sighs> so exhausting. I mean, you're welcome. Thank you. So we saw this movie. <laughs> 15% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. What's up with that? I think uh, they needed to just because the first one was on location, that's sort of what I remember best about it. It's just how sumptuous it all looked. Wait, this wasn't on location? Well, if, if the location is New Zealand, it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. You mean Middle Earth? No, I don't know. There was just, um... It was weird to pitch it as a sequel. It should have just been about different characters. Maybe. Well, you know, the only reason I saw this is because it was a sequel. I would not have seen this. I don't really do a lot of martial arts films. I don't know... The genre is technically called wuxia, I think, and I don't, I don't know that sort of thing. It's not really my genre. So, wait, the genre is called wuxia. Yeah, yeah, it's not necessarily the movies, but this whole tradition of these intricate Chinese histories, oh, uh, right. what we might call, for instance, Shakespearean histories. There's a whole tradition of that in in China, which isn't quite as outdated as our Shakespearean histories are. Uh, that that goes back to literature. Uh, old literature in China. It's in movies and contemporary literature. They're contemporary novels about this sort of historical stuff. Uh, and the genre is called wuxia. I don't even so know. Have characters had... hook into a to a central mythology? I mean, these they are do. Yeah, yeah. Characters. So this is all part of a uh, a quintilogy. I mean, there's like five books that Ang, Ang Lee basically. So I I'm a big proponent of of ignoring source material and doing whatever you want with it, yeah. and that's what Ang Lee did with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He basically appropriated a couple of names out of, I think the quintilogy might be called Iron Crane, or it has some name like that. Uh, oh, okay. And one of them is actually called Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, so Ang Lee and his screenwriter, I forgot who he collaborated with. It's the guy that did uh, Ice Storm with him, by the way, which I think Ooh. accounts for why I love Ice Storm and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon so much. Um, that screenwriter just took a couple of names from this 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 chapter of the five-part series uh, and made Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. This 
is a much more faithful retelling of that story. Oh, like so this, like, like the Lee Mubai would be a character that would be going through all of those things? That's a good question. I don't actually know the actual story, but yeah, I assume that uh, Lee Mubai is probably a major through line. I don't know how much Michelle Yeoh's character, Shu Lin, is significant. Like, I don't know what was cribbed, but I presume she and Lee Mubai are, are a major through line because they're such a central part of – not a central part, but they're so often referenced – Shu Lin, of course, is a central part of this. Li Mubai is referenced. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. But I know that all these crazy characters, all these plot threads is very much Wuxia. It's very much in oh. this vein, in this sort of literary vein. Okay, well, I didn't even know that. Yeah, and, and, and I'm with you. I wouldn't have watched it not if it hadn't been attached to uh, the – this other movie that I absolutely am in love with and had had Michelle Yeoh in it. I mean, because, I mean, Lee Mubai is just an awesome character. I didn't know that there was this through line. I just love that movie as a standalone thing. Yeah. And it's, to me, like, I, I there, there's a tradition of, uh, of Chinese movies like this, and I, I find it really fascinating that Japanese movies, the Kurosawa sort of type of movie, is more like a Western, whereas yeah. these wuxia things are more like operas. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I love opera. Yeah. I can be into westerns, um, but I don't. I, I know that I know a lot of the Japanese samurai stuff way better than, than Chinese film. Um, I remember seeing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, having never having no conception of what wire work was. Like this sort yeah. of thing where characters can fly is is part of is a tradition. And when I first saw it in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That was like out of nowhere for me, and it was it was kind of amazing. And now when I go back and watch something like Big Trouble in Little China, I'm like, oh, that's what they're doing with all the crazy flying around. Uh, you know, when I saw that as a kid, I had no idea that Carpenter was actually taking this tradition of, oh, these guys can fly. I just thought he was like, hey, let's just have people fly around. It looks ridiculous. And I was on board with that. Uh, but don't you get some of that from The Matrix, which was a little before that? Well, so I love that Wu Ping was the choreographer for The Matrix. I mean, that was when the Wachowskis basically decided to choose a style for the action. Right. They hired uh, Wu Ping, the director of this, the choreographer later for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, so, yeah, that's absolutely, I think, what they were going after. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just not a genre I'm into. So the thing is, when you say – or I forget – like – the fact that this is a sequel, there, there's a reason for that, and it's not just commercial. I mean, there's sort of a creative reason for that, uh, but I'm glad because it, commercial. Like, I never would have seen this if it had just been another Chinese martial arts flick. Uh, it's just not a genre that I see. Um, Are you glad you saw it? Oh yeah, yeah, I really like this. Uh, I, I think it's awful, by the way, <laughs> uh, but I really liked it. Uh, and that's weird that you say that because I kind of had the same feeling. I mean, I, so for me, I kind of would put this on par with something like Armageddon. And Armageddon, by the way, I don't think is awful. I can understand why people think Armageddon is awful, but Armageddon uh, works for God. me because Armageddon has so many crazy characters. Uh, Armageddon is all over the map, but oh, Armageddon's a, actually a great thing when you think about assembling the team. That's a great idea. Assembling like the that. team, yeah, and all these different characters coming together. And, and but the, what what is crucial to making Armageddon work is Billy Bob Thornton providing this. This sort of calm in the middle of this crazy storm. You know, there's there's this center, and there's there's a gravity to Billy Bob Thornton, and I think that's what they're trying to do with Michelle Yeoh here. I'm not sure it's very successful. I, I have a lot of goodwill for Michelle Yeoh, so even if they don't make good use of her, I just want to sit and watch her. Even if she's obviously not as invested in the choreography and the fighting as she was previously, I'm okay with that. 
I just want to sit and watch her. So she was kind of like this gravity, this center for me. I just liked when she was on screen, and then all the crazy stuff happened around her. So I enjoyed this in very much an Armageddon-y way. I think it's way messier than Armageddon. You know, Armageddon, Michael Bay, even if you don't like him, like the guy knows how to make films. He knows what he wants to do. There's a, there's, a, there's a creative focus there. He, he clearly knows what he's doing. Uh, I don't necessarily, although Wu Ping has directed a lot of movies, I didn't get that sense with this. Like this did seem a little sloppy, and uh, certainly the I, I don't know about you guys, but I thought the production values were like I thought at times it looked horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, it took me out of it that they were speaking English, and I oh my god, no, they that weren't. Does, that does not no. take me out of it at all. And I don't it's know a, what in the world I, happened to you, Tom. Okay, but it was so, so weird, like turning this movie on and going, they're all speaking English, and yeah, and then thinking, wait, in the original movie, and then when I went and rewatched the original movie, of course, I remember the whole controversy when the DVD came out for Crouching Tiger was was you know everybody's like, no, 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 you need to watch the dub because you always watch. Uh, you're you're always supposed to watch the subtitles because you're hearing the characters' actual voices, but the original characters did the dub, and the dub is a, has a, a much better uh, translation. And I remember that whole controversy. Uh-huh. But then watching this and watching them all speak English or or various like New Zealand, Australian English what? parts of English, really? it was so weird. Oh my God. What do you uh-huh. mean? This movie oh, yeah. is a Chinese for me. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Oh, you're you're. I don't know what what movie you saw, but watching okay, all of these characters who, who were very who were variously obviously pulled in from parts of New Zealand and Australia Didn't to do sound this. Like it to me. Oh well, it's 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 great to hear, especially in the let's assemble our team montage. I mean, not montage, but at the tavern, that thing at the tavern, hearing those people talking in New Zealand and. Uh, in Australian stuff. And by the way, Paul Weimer was totally on with you guys. I, I didn't see this when I was watching it, uh, but he's he's totally like this is clearly New Zealand and not China. And I I was not kind of I was not thinking Middle Earth other than like a couple of moments where I was like, hey, we're in the Shire. Well, yeah, I had no idea what was shot, and I, I, it was only after the fact, and I, in a way, couldn't care less. So there was a lot of CG in it, too, which I, yeah, to me, it, way, yeah. Uh, yeah, it uh, seemed like it was shot with CG. There was a lot of stuff that looked very blatantly like it was shot on a soundstage. I had no sense cool. of whether we were in China or New Zealand, and I don't think it really mattered. Right, right, right. Uh, which was important to the first one, because there was also, a sense of space, and this was huge, actually happening in an ancient China. I don't, important, yeah. I don't understand what the deal is with you guys. When I go to Netflix and I call up Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny, it pops up. There's an arrow where you press play. I press play. I'm watching a movie where the characters are speaking Chinese. There are subtitles, so I know what they're saying. And every now and then, I think, well, the sound must have been off. That seems like it's like ADR. It doesn't quite seem to be matching up. Maybe that's just like in, when you speak Chinese, your mouth doesn't move the same way. And then I was thinking, Michelle Yeoh, that kind of sounds off. I don't remember – her sounding that way because I had just watched uh, the James Bond movie that she's in, so I had her voice fresh in my mind. And when I was watching this, I was like, "What? I guess she's aged. Her voice sounds different." Um, so I had no idea. Maybe on Netflix, I have the more culturally sensitive setting enabled, and you guys don't. <laughs> but as soon as I started, and I had no concept that it was in English, after you said that to me, Dingus, I went back and started it today and noticed, oh, I can set it to English. Set it to English. Everything matches perfectly. There's Michelle Yeoh's voice. So I don't know what happened. But the movie I saw was in Chinese is all I'm saying. 
Really? It was so funny for me to because uh, I went back and watched uh, Drunken Master, which is the same director, uh, and it's so funny to watch that. I like that one. That weird sort of dubbing thing that goes on that that is is made fun of so many times, you know, with with kung fu movies, uh, and to watch that after watching this in perfect English or perfect Australian or perfect New Zealand, uh, and watch them and and that every. Every few minutes during this movie, I would be like, shouldn't I be reading this? <laughs> it was such a weird experience. Yeah, it's distracting. It really that's is part distracting. Of the style that I like. And it's also, I don't know. Tom, I think you, like, to you, these things are a novelty, but I kind of like those those movies. And, like, I read uh, yeah. called Bridge of Birds that I really like. And I have, an, I have Romance of the Three Kingdoms on my um It's a perfect example, right? Right. But uh, there's one called All Men Are Brothers, which is like a Chinese Robin Hood kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like a bandit king. And I really got into that. Like I read that obsessively. And it's just paced really well. So I was really drawn to this material. But I, mm. I feel like as a – as a, like compared to the first movie and just compared to other period piece kung fu movies, I thought this one was um, kind of stitched together, like too, too English <laughs> – have you, have you ever seen Iron Monkey? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, you saying Chinese Robin Hood kind of movie reminded me of that because that's another that. one of the same director's movies, and I tried to watch that too. Well, you mentioned uh, the first Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and I think you have to early on accept. And I think it's going to be clear this is nowhere in that movie's league. You know, no, this, we don't have not. Ang Lee, we don't have Peter Pao doing the the cinematography. There's none of that willingness to step away from the source material, which I think. It's a large part of what makes Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon work. Um, and it's even clear early on there's not going to be that much of a connection. Uh, although, God, I was, supposed to be. I was so worried that they were going to do what they freaking did and bring back her intended. Like, I was so uh-huh. hoping they weren't going to do that. Um, and I'm so uh-huh. mad at the retconning, by the way. You know what? Maybe I hate this movie. It's a different story. What do you mean? Well, all of our listeners, everybody who uh, – Everybody who who contributed actually absolutely hated it. I mean, and and some like Alexander Burns said he thought it was absolutely offensive. Um, so I don't know what you really? mean by bring back her. Why would he so? Does he elaborate? Yeah, why offensive? No, he, he was, he's so actually asking us. This, it, this oh. is almost offensive right? because and but like Nick Nick D said like because they shat on the characters from previous movies from the previous uh, movie like the way Prometheus does. Like uh, we're gonna explain a bunch of shit that didn't happen, and we're just gonna shit on all of your characters, that kind of thing. So my, uh, so I don't know uh, what you mean by bring back her intended. They mean the person she was supposed to be married to. Yeah, so that's part of Crouching Tiger, Shut Hidden Dragon. I mean, I think the main through line in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. This is one of the things I hugely respect about it. Sort of the A plot line there. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is ultimately about three women. I love that about it, by the way. Yeah, it's about, about Jade Fox. It's about Jen, and it's about Shulin. Yeah, and I want to uh, talk more about that, but go on, go on, go on. And so Shulin is is the main character. She and uh and. Uh, Limu Bai are in love, and that's established early on, um, but they can't be together. Uh, and by the way, that's a kind of a bookend. Like early on, it's established. In the end of the movie, it's reestablished uh, throughout. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important dramatic continuity through the movie. Uh, and when we finally find out what her story is, and there's this great early scene with, with uh, Jen, mm. played by uh, Zhang Ziyi, uh, where Jen talks about her arranged marriage, and she asks – 
uh, Michelle Yeoh, have you ever been married? And Michelle Yeoh says, well, what do you think? Like she doesn't answer it. <laughs> and then later we find out she says that she was promised to someone. She also had an arranged marriage. He was a brother of Lee Mubai. He was part of the order. He was killed in battle. And because he was killed in battle and because he and Lee Mubai had been sworn brothers, Lee Mubai, they, they felt they couldn't be together. Right. But because they were both grieving the loss, in the course of them grieving that loss, Lee Mubai and Lu Xin, that's when they fell in love. And in this movie, Silent Wolf comes back as the husband, who I don't think is ever named, the prearranged husband for Michelle Yeoh's character. Right. He comes back and he says, okay, I lost that battle, but I really lived, but I knew that you and Lee Mubai were in love, so I got out of the way. That's not <laughs> what happened. What happened was they fell in love grieving together over his death. And that's clearly what Michelle Yeoh says in the first movie is because, by the way, this is important. She's not some – and this isn't – this these modern sensibilities about, ooh, arranged marriages are terrible. Let's get out of them. I mean these are very historical movies. These characters are very much sort of imprisoned by, driven by. They honor the, the cultural mores of this society, of, of historical Chinese society. Um, there is nothing about Liu Xin – being some really progressive woman who uh, was was worried about – like this progressive this, – this arranged marriage she was in, she didn't love this man, but she was okay going along with it. I mean she was willing to do that, uh, and, and this fact that they retcon it, to, that she was in love with him, that they actually had something um, is just ridiculous because no, if they I, actually had something and she then fell in love with Lee Mubai while she had something with Silent Wolf, that makes no sense. Like she's then suddenly basically rejecting she, – she's as progressive as Jen is later in the movie, and I don't think that's the case. I think she represents more the older, more traditional generation. Well, um, I agree, but I think Shulen is, is more talking about – her commitment, then she's talking about love right. in that and, and scene where, where, where Silent Wolf comes back. And, and I think he's saying, I died. I was dead before that. I mean, I think that's what that, that scene is about. He's, when, when he's doing that, he's, he's, it, it's not necessarily a retcon, but it, it is kind of, I guess. But he's saying that I was dead well before that, and I just continued to be dead. And, and then you – and and – that whole thing about her, about Shulen uh, saying whatever she's saying to him, uh, is more about commitment than it is about love. It's it's about honor. But she doesn't have the commitment. He died. I mean, you, you, so you think she decides? Because I in this movie, I got the sense that they were supposed to fall in love. This Donnie Yen guy, by the way, is terrible. There's no chemistry oh, I between disagree. him. I think Donnie Yen's great. Oh, good lord. I could, yeah, I thought there was no chemistry between them. I thought he was a super weak link. Oh, my uh, god. When they're fighting back-to-back, are you – oh, my gosh. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm not talking about the young guy. I'm talking about Silent Wolf. The hack yeah, I'm talking about Silent guy. Wolf when they're fighting back-to-back. Yeah, I thought that guy was terrible. Oh, my um, god. I thought that guy was awesome. And I don't, and I don't see you – know, I didn't think they had any chemistry. I, didn't, I got the impression the movie wanted us to think that she fell in love with him, not that she was honoring a previous obligation to an arranged marriage. Um I think both things are happening. I think that, that she's still in mourning, and I think that there are... There are she's going, in mourning for Lee Mubai. Yeah. I, oh, that's what you're saying. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, that, that is exactly what I'm saying, but I, I think that, that other things are going on in sort of a weird sort of English patient kind of way where um, where uh, maybe English patient is the wrong thing to, to uh, 
to bring up at this point. But when they're fighting back to back in that, in that, in that weird moment where they look back at each other and they realize, okay, we kind of actually work together kind of well. Um, there's, there's, I think there's a really great kind of chemistry that happens between the two of them. And I really like that guy a lot. Would, do you know him from anything else that makes you like him? Or you just like him? Um, I tried to watch Iron Monkey. I can't watch, I mean, some of these things, they're just so presentational and weird. Um, that, that, uh, that weird. I love who Chinese, like, uh, that, that, Kung Fu took. that, that stuff. I, I have very little patience for it. And I watched like Drunken Master as well, which I got a great deal of amusement from, but. Is that Donnie Yen also? Yeah. No, 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 it's not. It's, it's, oh. uh, um, I, it's, uh, What's the name of this director? I can't remember his name. Sorry. You know, this director, uh, Wu Ping? Yeah, uh, Wu Ping Yan. I can re- never remember because I went to a um, – I, I have a hard time with these names, and I was really nervous about doing the uh, the ops when I would have to say, like, who was starring in this movie. But mo- they have so many, you know – you know, anglicized names or, or, uh, like the, the, the girl who was, um, uh, she's like half, uh, half Thai, Taiwanese, half Italian. I mean, there's oh. all these different things that, so it was easy to say the names for most of the part. But, but a lot of the times earlier on, like Chow Yun Fat, his name is actually reversed. I mean, oh. his, it's, it, he's not, I, I remember going to like this comic convention and seeing him. I think it was for you know a trailer for some movie he was in, and um, and he was saying and people were asking him questions and he's saying D- you know my name is not Giant Fat really D- don't call me Mr. Fat because I'm not fat. Um, because the the way their their names go actually gets reversed now that we're farther along. Um, so I have a hard time like figuring out. Who's who? Well, they were pretty helpful with giving us, at least in the version I saw, uh, Western. Like I, I don't, I never like Snowvase is easy to remember. I didn't know her by any other number. Si- name Silent Wolf. There are a few in there that I had to like write down. Um, Han May, the mother. Visual cues. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you know the D and D campaign people. By the way, that's another thing that is that is such a goofy. It's like they got a D and D party to show up. Yeah, you know, Silent Wolf, Turtle Moth, Thunder Fist, Silver Dart, yeah. Flying Blade. I I knew who all those guys. Too were. many. There's too many characters. No. Okay. So Kelly Wan. No, there's not. My opinion. There's, ah. I mean, it, it, that's by the way, that's a staple Touch. of, of Wuxia. Like you should be okay with that. But I I was um, so when I when I go to a movie in a theater, I take notes on on a, a post-it pad so I can write a note in the dark without having to look and look for my place. And then I write on a post-it and I fold it over and I write my next note on the next post-it so I don't have to like look down at a pad. When I watch this here at home on Netflix, I have a legal pad in front of me. So as I was watching, I was like, oh, I've got this legal pad here. I'm going to take notes on the characters. So I started writing the characters' names, and I ended up with this dramatis persona of of everyone. And looking over it afterwards, it it totally makes sense for me. I think So Kelly Wan, I think taking notes helps. Next time you watch this, take notes. All right. And if you have any questions, Kelly Wand, I can tell you – I can look here on my notes and tell you which character is whom. What's well, that uh, Italian's name again? Uh, Snowvase. Actually, I don't know what you're talking about Italian, but I, I assume that when you talk about an excruciating – that's another thing I liked about this movie, by the way. Some mm-hmm. beautiful Asian women. Um, uh, Snowvase, I presume, is the one who is part of Italian or whatever, right? Yeah, like her said, name yeah. is Natasha Lou Bord- 
Jizzo. Right, because I did see that in the credits. Is there, right. is, yeah, I was like, yeah, she's not entirely Chinese. So her, her father's Chinese, um, and I think her mom is uh, is Italian, but I, I could have those reversed. I'm sorry. Well, and even Michelle Yeoh is half Malaysian. I mean, looking up her name because um, I was like Natasha Lou Bordizo. Bordizo is your name, really? I mean. Uh, Wei Fang. He didn't get a crazy name. He was just Wei Fang. Um, that's a that's a great name. Well, it doesn't mean like. So He's again, because you didn't, you were watching in English. I got to read these names. Maybe that helped. <laughs> but it's not spelled like W A Y F A N G. It's not a Wei so Fang. So the notes took you. All right. So you 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 guys are talking about characters. I got that Kelly one. Very nice. Real quick though, thing is I went. So that's another thing that I hated. That was retconning. This was not the green destiny from the first movie this no. bright yeah. colorful gaudy monstrosity looked like something they bought at toys r us oh That's my god the, the the green destiny from the first movie was so like simple yeah. and functional and it's there are these beautiful. loving close-ups of it what how did they figure what are they trying to pull over on us with this goofy looking thing with and the jade on it and, oh yeah it's yeah, terrible because <laughs> When when we were watching, I was watching it um, with my girlfriend, and her son like came in at one point, and we had to explain that it was made out of jade. And I'm just sitting there thinking, why would they make a sword out of jade? That doesn't make any sense. It looks plastic. And then, and then after that, I went back and watched the original movie, and that sword. At least they kept the sound that the sword makes, because the sound kind of sings. uh, The sword kind of sings in its way. It has a it has a specific sound whenever it's drawn or it, when it makes certain moves. But the, but you're right, Tom. That the way the sword looks in the original movie is just elegant. And it's it's night and day. Like it's not like they thought, oh, well, let's make it look kind of like the first movie. I mean, it, it's completely retconned. I mean, this is not this well, is that's not great I, destiny. That's why I thought at the beginning that it was just a phony. That it was ah fake, that, that that was part of the With deal. The Maltese Falcon. Yeah, yeah. It was. I thought they were falconing us. Maybe they were dingus, and we'll find out next movie. That might explain things. If they thought they were Millennium Falcon, I guess. Uh, Kelly Wan, not everything is Star Wars. Leave that uh, to me. What? That I thought Westerns. Uh, I do want to say, so I, if, if, if we can give our over-unders early, I hope you guys don't mind. But this also kind of gets to why I like this. My over-under, I kind of bracketed closely. My under is the Hercules movie with Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> because it's very similar. It has a crazy cast with, with interesting characters and a sort of a an interesting take on the Hercules story. Um, but I liked it a little less than this because – Kind of like with Michelle Yeoh, I don't feel it did as much as I wanted with the lead actor, with Dwayne Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. But it surrounded him with, with some really cool, memorable characters. The, like, I still remember that blonde uh, a archer chick who was played by, I forget her name, but some Norwegian actress. She was a uh, redhead. Uh, Scandinav- let's just go with Scandinavian, either way. Um, uh, the uh, the, uh, the uh, cocksucker guy from... Uh, from, from from the Western people. More specific. Oh, well, we don't know where this is. Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ian McShane in the group. Like, I liked Hercules was fine. I wasn't that crazy about it. That's what it should say on his headshot. Looks <laughs> like a guy. Yeah. Um, so that would be my under, but my over, and you guys won't see this, you couple of jerks. My over is Seventh Son. Um, which, oh, I really want. Yeah, it's I think an awful movie, but I really liked it. It's also crazy. It has an interesting cast and, a, and an intriguing story. But unlike 
more so than Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny, definitely more so than Hercules. It makes amazing use of its lead actor with Jeff Bridges. Um, so that's kind of a scale there. Is is, is it R rated? No, no, no. It's, oh, it's relatively tame. But right. there's a lot of action though, with like monsters messing people up though. But no, no blood or gore, and certainly no nudity. Hotness though, plenty of hotness. Don't you think this movie right. uses its lead actor really well? Not as well as I would have liked to, because I again, I really didn't think she had any chemistry with. And maybe it's just compared to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, her with Chow Yun Fat. Yeah. I didn't feel she had any chemistry with Donnie Yen. I didn't feel like it established. Why they were supposed to be in a relationship, it didn't for me at least. Um, I didn't feel like – and I'm okay with this because she's older and I, I want to be understanding. But I didn't feel like she was either as invested or as capable of doing the choreography as she had been. Huh. Maybe it's just because she, you know, she's married. She's not doing a lot of movies all the time. She's just not – I mean she has a background as a stunt woman and she has amazing physicality in her previous movies. But that was, you know, fifteen years ago, over fifteen. Yeah, um, and that stuff takes a toll, even. But it does. It does. Toll, I and it's really. I mean, there's some good stuff, but I feel like they had to cut around her a lot and sub in a stunt woman. So I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, and that's well, how the whole movie felt. Well, I have no problem with that as far as the fighting concerns, because I think that her acting is on point. Um, I, I, do, I don't I just, have I, any I don't point disagree. with that because I, I'm with yeah, yeah. That moment when she's outside the carriage and uh, Silent Wolf goes flying off, and she gives, gives that look like, um, I could do the light body work and go after him, or I know I'm going to see him soon. Um, everything she does with her face, I mean, I love sure. everything that she's doing. Her acting, and she is unbelievably hot to me, mainly because she's so freaking talented. She's so good. Um, I have no problem with any of that idea that it's 18 years later, she's been in solitude all this time, and she doesn't want anything to do with any of this. She doesn't want this bloodshed, and she, she talks about this, and it, it sort of has this weird political ring to it. It's like, this is all for a sword. This is all an excuse for bloodshed, or, you know, code, honor, all of these things. This is not what I'm interested in anymore. But Jenga, I, I don't even different. want to teach you. That's it's, something different, though, than the choreography, than just the fact that Michelle Yeoh as a woman is 15 years older. And it's not doing because they have there are old people in this who are doing crazy young people fighting. Uh, but but and they just have about... to fake it with her, I think, more often, which they didn't have to do in the original movie. Certainly, she didn't do in the James Bond movie. All um, right, well, she didn't do I, in her earlier movies. I I don't see any of that because I don't. I mean, I don't care about her choreography. I don't care about that necessarily in this performance because her because I think she's so powerful. Well, uh, and and also because I I have a really specific. Um, idea about the way, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier about how women are the driving force of of these two movies that we're talking about, and yep. and even going into this earlier movie that I saw this week that is not is not the case in American action movies, and and how that she can be the the action center of this movie, even if they have to cut around her, I, I, I don't see that. But that what's part of what's so beautiful about, and these were both at the same time, is Matrix and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, is actually watching actors doing their own physical work. I mean, there's something really amazing about that, and specifically in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where every single fight, without exception, is character development okay. that is sold by the actors being in the fight. 
Um, and the actors' faces, like when she is fighting Jen at the at the end of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, in her own little dojo there, and she's resorting to the different weapons. Yeah. Like the fact that she Michelle Zio's face deciding which weapon to use early on that fight. Uh, where uh, uh, Zhang Ziyi's face is covered, she doesn't know who she is. Um, in that courtyard, that first fight where she's using her feet to keep uh, to keep Jen down, like the fact that Michelle Yeoh's face is there acting during it. When Xiao mm-hmm. uh, Yun Fat does the stick fight with uh, Jen, you know the fact that he's delivering lines while he does that fight. When he's on the wire in the bamboo uh, shoots in, the, in that beautiful green scene, the fact mm-hmm. that it's actually Xiao Yun Fat there. So again, that. So the thing is, I would agree with you in that it's a little unfair to compare this to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because they're leagues apart. But I can't help but wish that Michelle Yeoh could have done some of her own fighting more and that we could have had some of that character development emerging in the fighting the way they tried to do with some of the younger actors, I feel. Um, But again, I'm not casting aspersions on her acting. I loved watching her. I thought she was great, even though I didn't think that the Donnie Yen guy worked with her. She was doing her best to sell it like it. It seemed to me that even when I felt the chemistry didn't work, it wasn't for her lack of trying. Um, and maybe it's just uh, I didn't like that actor enough. Um, maybe so in that respect, it's better than Spectre. Cause she is Spectre least... you're under? Uh, no. Oh, how do you, why are you comparing this to Spectre? I'm sorry. Well, just like uh, Crouching Tiger is kind of the Skyfall, and this is sort of... Oh, very good. ...after it, oh, I think. But like Daniel... Uh, Craig didn't give a shit about being in that movie from every shot. You were just right. like, if you didn't want to come, you shouldn't even have been the, like, if this is all you're going to give me for what I paid, you bastard. Everyone is, well, never, the, the director, the cinematographer, the, the... Yeah, yeah, no one wants to be there. Sorry, right, go ahead. So as far as this and Crouching Tiger and the Skyfall Spectre comparison, go ahead. Yeah, Michelle Yeo, I got the sense, was enjoying yeah. being there. Yeah. It was just a more arduous, you know, like what you said. She's just, it's, it's, it's a, she's older now, and it's she, I don't and understand why you guys are saying. Mean, and I certainly don't understand why Tom, you bring up like now she's married and now she can't do these things. I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see any of that. Oh uh, no, I mean you, you, the, the the kind of physicality that it takes for something like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, because she's married. No, no, no. It's something that you do from like being a stunt woman for continually years and years. Like you, you stay in shape for something like that. If okay. you're not training, that takes training, and not training like. You know, I train how to use Microsoft Excel, and then for I know how to train it. Training like regular, working out day in, day out. Michelle Yeoh obviously hasn't been doing that. She doesn't need to. Um, you know, when she was in, and I even forget the name of it. I saw it. It was so terrible. What's the James Bond one? Kelly Kelly Wand. Spectre. Tomorrow never dies. No, tomorrow never dies. Oh yeah. That one that she's right. in. In that, that was you know the, that was the prime of her being a stunt woman. Like she basically worked as a stunt woman for many, many years. I mean, it's uh-huh. a young person's game. Exactly. Uh, That's just the reality. She looks fit to me. I don't know. Why. I'm not saying she's not fit, but she. I don't think that she trained or that she was capable of doing some of the choreography that some of the younger folks were. And be, who yeah. probably are more frequently are, are either more limber or younger. And that's why there's so many characters, but she's supposed to be the focus of it, so it's kind of awkward. What do you mean? Well, she's the main character, I think, by the process of elimination. She's <laughs> linked to the first movie. But since she's not in the same shape she was for the first movie, the, yeah, and also kind of, since... They cut around her, it seems like, right? Yeah, and they're adding a lot of other characters to make... Like, whenever there's a fight, there's 50 fights going on at the same time, and she's just one of them. I think that's adds. true of any of these movies. I, I think that we're being... Honestly, the first I don't think... Different. Yeah, right. 
for All me. Right. So uh, like, let's let's talk about uh, since we're talking about her as the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the most important relationship in this movie? This is something that Dave Perkins asked us. What do you think is the most important relationship to you emotionally? What is the most important relationship that you were invested in? Does it relate to her, or does, is it something else, or is there anything that you care about in this movie? Really? Oh, I love that Dave asks. So Dave is probably assuming that we hate it, but I love that Dave asks us that. Um, I clearly think, and I, I presume you and Kelly Wan would agree with me, the movie wants the most important relationship to yeah. be uh, her with Donnie Yen. Yeah. Um, but as far as relationships that worked and chemistry that worked, I would, I you know, as far as what worked for me personally i kind of liked like snow vase and yeah, I, do too. I, I liked what they were doing and i liked that oh are they brother sister what's going on is there an attraction yeah. there uh there's I a Luke and leia thing going on there. exactly very good thing yeah. very good. and there were many times by the way i was watching this thinking well of course star wars is from hidden fortress and of course <laughs> right. it's from asian culture this <laughs> everything's idea, from everything and this yeah. idea of mentors and students and and traditions right. and hidden family destinies That's, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, very good thing is you yes. bring up the Luke and Leia thing. So that's the one I would pick. But and she was feisty like Leia too. Oh, she was so good. God, she was. Good. I know. Um, so many ways. What would you pick, Dingus? What, what would you? Uh, assuming that you, I mean, I, I. It sounds though like Donnie Yen and Michelle Yeoh's relationship worked for you, though. Uh, it worked in the in those in those in that. It, it worked in tandem for the the back to back thing, and then the back to back thing with Snowbase and. Um, uh, what's his name? Wait, the guy in the cage. I, or just call him Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I was doing that too. Like, what <laughs> white guy does this Asian actor look like to help me in my white brain? He's so playing a white guy. Gordon-Levitt so. or Wei Feng. Yeah. He has been in Glee, so I guess. Well, that's the thing too. Is you guys what? knew that these were English speakers? I had no idea. I thought all of these were like native Chinese actors. Ugh. So annoying. I knew the Australian guy was Australian. Well, his name is Harry Shum. I mean, <laughs> which I didn't know because they don't show the names until the end credits. So I had no idea that there were these Western names in there. Harry Shum Junior, by the way, a white yeah. man. Uh, so, so things you were saying about Snow Vase and Wei Feng. Well, well, actually, the, it, it, I, what I like about the, the those that relationship is that there is a there is a back to back moment where they're fighting and they look at each other that is very similar to the moment where um, uh, Yushilin and I'm sorry Shulin I don't know how to say it um, and Silent Wolf are fighting back to back. The the relationship that I want to like the most is is Shulin and Snow Vase who are. Mm-hmm. Or who are having this um, uh, mentor? Uh, what's the what's the other word? Mentor, <laughs> mentor, student, MC. teacher, student relationship. Um, but never really seems to come together uh, in in a, in a way that that I really like. Uh, so I would say that my favorite relationship is uh, probably uh, Snow Face and Wei Feng. I guess. Yeah. We all, yeah. So we all vote for them, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I like I like you know there's there's this weird moment in that in that training montage when she's having to do the horse stance I think it is that you're gonna that she's gonna have to do for two days, um, yeah. uh, where that's her punishment. His, his cage is just left there, and he's watching the whole thing, and he just gets to like pepper her with uh, with like like little. Jibes! Why don't you smile at me? The whole uh, oh, so hot. That scene was so hot. That I was know. way hotter than them like kissing or anything. By the way, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Th- 
There's so I much going on that. there. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't necessarily need any of the flashback stuff. Um, True. But, but I liked what was going on between the two of them. When you say the flashback stuff, do you mean about them being changelings? Uh, any of the flashback stuff was a little bit weird for me. Because it was a flashback or the substance of what was being told? Or because of the structure. Okay. It, you, you it had nothing to do with that. It was you just, rage at flashbacks. I do not rage I think at flashbacks. It's just like a little bit flashbacks. jarring. Uh, there's a this is uh, neither you guys nobody listening is going to know what I'm talking about. But there's a there's a Verdi opera called Il Trovatore, which is about uh, changelings. So <laughs> I didn't know this was going to be in there, and th- that's my by the way my f- absolute favorite opera of all time, and it's not a very good one either. By the way, is uh, Il Trovatore with the the changeling subplot. So when we get these flashbacks, I'm kind of like you guys. I'm like, what? What do we? And then it becomes changelings, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's just like Azucena uh. in Il Trovatore. Awesome. So nerd alert. I know, right? Yeah, sorry. Jesus. Here's another relationship I really, really liked. This is and this is so manipulative, but anybody who's ever run a D and D campaign knows how to do this. <laughs> you have the wacky D and D party. And and I just I, I had so much goodwill for the silliness of this and yes, for like how hot Silver Dart was. Are you talking about the tavern stuff? Yeah, the tavern stuff, those characters. Um by the way, a flying blade, I have in my notes the white guy he looks like. That was Jay Barukel. I don't know if you guys know. Um, um, so here's an awesome relationship. Is you introduce the lovable, wacky D&D characters, and then you introduce a badass who you establish as badass because she kills all of them. Like, you make the audience like these lovable characters, and here comes Mantis, you know, uh, the Hades Day's uh, henchwoman. Yeah. Uh, and she kills all the lovable D&D guys, so you hate her well. even more. Uh, I like yeah. that that very transparent device that worked for me. She's the DM, but she killed. Uh, they, ki- they get killed so fast. Well, oh Mantis God. is that yeah. badass dingus. That's how that's how much Mantis will f you up. Yeah, dog. They're too I, low level. I love yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Fair enough. Yeah, she has too many hit dice. You see, <laughs> yep. and her percent in lair is way high. There, I love that tavern stuff. I love Turtle Maw's saving throw against. I am known in this tavern. See, exactly. I was going to do good writing, bad writing, but I, I literally thought. I'm sure in the original Chinese this reads better, and that's again why I was aghast when you told me Dingus was in English, English. Uh, that there was no original Chinese. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, and, uh, Chris uh, Chris Markinson wants to you guys to tell you, tell him why Snowface does not die at the end. I wondered about that too. I was a little angry because I love this idea yeah. that she and Mantis mortally wound each other. What? Oh yeah. How did that's they get very much, That's very much in line with with the end of the the first movie, which I have so much love for because of that. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was like they did they wussed out at the end. It was like, eh, you know what? We need yeah. to. Have, we're not going to kill her. See, it didn't feel like a proper Crouching Tiger movie. Like the, like that's a big one, actually. Because well, Crouching Tiger is all about tragedy. And- it really does feel to me, Kelly Wand. Like, yeah, and it does feel to me like it was re- like a different ending was shot. Yeah, that 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 very redemptive scene is clearly shot to imply that they both die. Yeah. Um, so I really think that that was probably like a focus group. Focus thing. group. Or maybe and because they're by the way, uh, say it in English and let the goil live. Well, they they changed some things in this to make concessions to the Chinese government to be released in China. And I'm wondering if there were maybe things like certain characters can't die, um, but they definitely had to like change the wording of some of the things. There were certain characters that that they couldn't even refer to. Um, 
So maybe it was part of like some a concession they had to make to to have a Chinese release. I don't know. Oh, the pendant really? was originally a Coca-Cola bottle cap. I don't I don't know what that's a reference to. <laughs> Focus groups. That's so weird. That was some studio notes. Uh, by the way, I just want to say the cinematographer of this. <laughs> His name is Newton Thomas Siegel. Siegel. It's uh, <laughs> not all over. <laughs> None of that can be true. The cinematographer for this is named Newton it's Thomas Siegel. He's actually he's done a lot of movies, but his previous movie prior to this is a little thing called, and this movie is gorgeous, the one I'm about to tell you guys, is called Seventh Son. Oh. So I could not believe coming off of Seventh Son – because this movie really looked like TV cinematography. I mean, I, I, yeah. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Uh, here's well, that's another. That's not his fault. Yeah, they just, you know, give him anything. Paul Wimmer said something. He said, "Like it looks like Disney directed direct a video." Yeah, yeah, definitely. It definitely has that, that quality. Yeah. Um, it looks like so a tranny me, threw up, Tom. No. Oh. Jeez, really? Did that's, that a just state, that's a state and main reference, by the way. So Kelly Wan is, is quoting Mammoth there. Uh, well, that uh, happened. Very good. Um, so. Even the makeup in this is bad. Like, and here's the problem uh, with that. Did, did, by the way, did you guys ever notice like the bad makeup, or is that just me? Uh, I don't notice makeup on uh, bros. <laughs> Not. I mean, I mean, like the teeth ledger. <laughs> even though I think this is a terrible movie, I I was actually just so taken with watching Michelle Yeoh that I actually really liked a lot of this. So I I didn't notice things like that. Well, I okay, so Dingus can't be trusted. He's just yeah, Dingus, yeah, well, no, I mean, uh, not I Michelle Yeoh, at least. Uh, I don't think any of us can. Well, well, since she jumped off the mountain, I've never been able to get over that. I just can't be trusted, period. Yeah, Kelly. anything Kelly Wan says about any movie is probably wrong. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, in a way, it's reliable. But he also overs and unders. Dingus, what do you got? All right, so uh, I went with this idea of uh, second movies. Um, ah, very good, right? Uh, so my under uh, would be a movie called Lethal Weapon 2. And the reason that uh, this second movie doesn't work as well as the first movie... Wait, Lethal Weapon 2 rules, Dingus. I thought you know? Lethal Weapon 2, isn't it the one that's better than Lethal Weapon 1? Yeah, it's way better. I don't Dingus think it is. Wow, he's a Lethal what? Weapon purist. He's a, he's an original, like a, a strict constructionalist about Look, Lethal Weapon. He drives the house. He makes Look, the house. I just watched oh, all four jacket. of them because of the Richard Donner week I just had. So you guys you didn't do like two? if you want. I can't believe you did like two. I'm really Well, surprised. he's just saying one is better. So go I ahead. Because why, how do you compare Lethal Weapon well, 2 to so, Sword of Destiny? Two's uh, so good. Uh, because of the relationship to a new character that's being introduced. Um, so... Uh, Lethal Weapon 2, you bring Joe Pesci in, and you have the two characters getting involved with the guy. I thought you were going to say Patsy Kensett. That's why you said it's been revoked. The other oh, way. man, Patsy Kensett. He doesn't give a fuck about quit smoking. Patsy Kensett's uh, topless in that movie. Oh, oh yeah, there she is. He, yeah. So, so, Kelly, that's so good. Fuck. Sorry, it's not as good as Lethal Weapon 1. Sorry. I'm totally. It's so much better. I'm it's very violent. much into Patsy Kensett. Uh, and I love... Yeah. I love her accent. I love her uh, the way she looks in uh, the scene in the trailer with him, and when they're making chili together and batter up because it's the seventh inning stretch, but it's not even the seventh. Uh, uh, Petsy Kenseth is really, really super hot in that. Who was uh, the chicken lethal weapon one? By the way, was there one? 
Renee Russo. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. No, she's not no. the weapon one. Kelly, honestly, there isn't one. Uh, the chicken the weapon thing. one is Mel Gibson. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, it's a, it's a dude movie, right? There's yeah, it's, a, it's still yeah. lead. Yeah. Came later. So uh, so anyway, uh, I, I don't think Lethal Weapon Two is as good as Lethal Weapon One, even though both of you think Lethal Weapon Two is 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 the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, of no, Lethal it's Weapon. totally is. Yeah. Totally is. Yeah. It's not. Um, what? Dingus. What? You didn't like Pesci in that? You didn't think he was funny? No, that's what I'm saying. He's a new character. He gets a they fuck you with the drive through that. Hmm. What about the straight jacket? You didn't like that stuff? Anyway, my over is Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, <laughs> These should be reversed, dude. <laughs> Are you kidding? You're way upside down. Have you seen Too Fast, Too Furious? Well, no. It's not as good as the first one, you're saying. So he's doing the same thing with the lethal weapons, okay, okay, except okay. in this case, he's right. Yeah. Damn, lethal do lethal you know what the new relationship is that I it's love? Tyrese Gibson. It's, it's Tyrese Gibson is yeah. so freaking awesome. He brings such great energy to the movie. He he totally energizes uh, this great, weird uh, thing that Paul Walker is doing. Um uh, yeah, he's he's just he's got such a great energy. It's this great thing that's happening, um, and so yeah, that's why this would be too fast, too furious would be over. Mm-hmm. And too fast, too furious doesn't have a Vin Diesel moping around, right? Yeah, Kelly, that what are your choice to make? Overs and unders. Wait, do you guys remember Lethal Weapon Two? That car chase thing, and then the surfboard goes through the windshield. Yeah, yes, that's I an just awesome. Saw sentence. the movie. That's a that's a that's like one of the all time great choreographed like car stunts I think yeah I love that they're, they're the most ridiculous those characters are the most insane cops ever in that movie Dingus him and Danny Glover they're not scared of anything yeah but Danny Glover's it's a few days from retirement so <laughs> he's getting too old for this shit yeah. do you remember that he uses that Mel Gibson uses his truck to yes. pull a house Fuck that's that, what Wand was trying to tell you Dingus. yes it's the best thing ever. Not There's the nothing, totally out those people. nothing that good in Lethal Weapon. Instead, we get Gary Busey rolling around in a muddy lawn. Yeah, boo. That's what you oh, want. That. That's, what yeah. that's the best part of Lethal Weapon 1 yeah. compared well, to everything. You get, you get him explaining to um, to Danny Glover's Walter. wife how he found a pen under his bed. Good lord. Wait, what? Is that in 1 or 2? That sounds like something from 1. That's in 2. No. Yeah. Remember the toilet, Dinkus? Because Martin Riggs is getting all of his laundry done at their house now while they're getting renovations done. And, and so a, a nail gun plays a prominent part. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Nailed it. Isn't that his line afterwards? Yeah. He goes, Nailed Absolutely. Him. Yeah. That's the better movie <laughs> than we What about the bomb in the toilet? Is that in two, Kelly Wand? Yes. Everything good Everything is in two. two. Everything, Everything good. Lethal Weapon 2 is the greatest blockbuster ever made. Toilet, you guys, the toilet, really, honestly. The bats out there, they're buddies. He's totally doing him a solid. He's got to be there for him. Doing him a solid. It's it's right. <laughs> On that and note, everyone, what are your overs and Yeah, please. Now, Dingus, Let's hear you talk right. about Mars Attacks now or whatever you're going to I watched uh, Point Break for the first time this week, uh, the old one. I'd Why would you seen. do that? Uh, I was sort of made to. Yeah, I don't feel but, like it holds up. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I didn't actually right. see it back then. But Laurie Petty, I'm like, what? What is this boy doing in this movie? He's really funny, and Keanu's really funny. His acting's really bad, like funny, but and all, right, all the let's, let's Keanu's character's name. Johnny, Johnny Utah. Utah. Damn it! 
Yeah, Johnny. I wanted Utah. Kelly to answer. Oh, sorry. I thought it was like a quiz. Hi, Tom. I thought it was a quiz. Like, this is not like, the IMD ops. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. You can ask Kelly again, and I won't say anything. Kelly, ask Kelly what Patrick Swayze's name is. Johnny Castle. Oh, uh, uh, uh Bodie. Johnny Castle. You guys are terrible. I forget the Corey Petty's name. We're gonna, we're Remember gonna, when we a new feature next week will be Guess the Character. That guy's a really – he's a really dumb cop in that, but in Speed, he's a really good cop, Keanu Reeves. He won't take shit from Dennis Hopper. He learned a lot in between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> it was like getting his hand cut off. He learned – and he remembered it because he did Johnny Mnemonic. So, uh, Kelly, what uh, are you uh, – is is Point Break one of your overs or unders? No. Okay. My overs come to Hustle. Because I like Stephen Chow movies. Wait, say that again. I'm, I'm no, you said Kung Fu Hustle, all right? Yeah, Kung Fu Hustle. Did you guys see that? Sure. Yeah, that's the only Stephen Chow I've seen. Yeah. Oh, uh, you yeah. didn't see? I mean, it's uh, more. I think it. Yeah. Is, are they all like that? Tex Avery. Yeah. Well, no, that one's kind of more. That one's sort of mainstream for him. Shaolin Soccer is kind of more brutal. That uh, sounds like a sports movie, so I haven't seen it. Uh, I think you could handle it. Then they dubbed it, and they did like a Roger Tiger kind of thing. <laughs> I think you could handle it. I do yeah. know what offsides means, unlike Dingus. Yeah. Out of like- okay, so that's my over uh, as far as period piece martial arts movies. Mm-hmm. And my under for period piece martial arts movies is Collision Course with Pat Morita and Jay Leno. <laughs> I don't well. believe this is a thing, but go on. Keep telling me about this hypothetical thing that, that didn't happen. He's a tough cop, an Italian. Wait, which one? Cop. Which one is the tough cop? Pat Jay Leno. Oh, Jay Leno. Okay. No, no, because he can fight. Look at him. He looks a little tired. So you're saying Pat Morita can't fight? No, he's the fighter. It's like Rush Hour, but Jay Leno is Chris Tucker. And then Pat Morita can do wire foo and like wire foo into like windshields and stuff. I, and can't I think they're imagine. looking for a sword. How so could I have never seen this, Kelly Wand? It's it's really good. I'm underselling it. Is Let's it better it. than Remo Williams' Ten. Adventure Begins? It's similar, and it's the same year. I think they were trying to cash in on that. The Remo, pop- right. They were chasing that Remo success. Sure. Yeah. A lot of people were doing that. That's my over-unders. I have learned some about relationships, but I didn't want to interrupt you if you're going to... No, no, Kelly, that. was there were there any uh, sort of like bits of words of wisdom that you were able to apply to your personal life from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny? Um, there's something I'd like to insert in Snowvase's pendant. One, two, three, not only you La, me, uh, one degree, uh, one pity about your stick, I think it really helped that I kind of dreaded having to watch this. Like, I really thought it was going to be... That always helps too. Yeah, yeah. I always go in the opposite. I was like, this could, this could be good. But all the listeners hated it, Dingus. Wow. They hated it it's in the extreme. I mean, yeah. I was kind of surprised once I actually did my write-up and everything. I didn't hate it that much. I didn't think it was a good movie, but they hated it. Well, the first one's a tough act to follow. This is really... Well, I don't... I think, yeah. I don't think you would necessarily evaluate them because it's been so long. Wow. Right. And luckily I watched I, lo- I watched the first one afterwards, so I didn't hate it as much. But not, like especially like Chris Markinson's like he just hated this thing so much. Mm. Oh my gosh. And Nick I and mean, everybody hated this movie. I feel like it wasn't wacky enough. Like I think it I think it was too white. 
I think that's what it was. Well, there's actually a word for like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon created this concept of I'm going to get the word wrong, but like countercultural. No, the idea of the countercultural flow, whereas rather than the U.S. entertainment industry affecting Asian entertainment industries, the idea was can we can we make that go in a different direction? And Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was a very successful instance of that. No. Which doesn't happen very often. But this, I think this was definitely more kind of just rather right. than a, a countercultural flow. I think it was just both meeting in the middle and having a big mess occur. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Too compromised. Wait, watching Crouching t- the original again, it's just it's such a heartfelt movie. It's just it's yeah. utterly moving. The characters are really intense. Everything going on is really intense. And and I think that I mean I mean just missing Charlie and Fat and it's something Paul Weimer said. Missing Charlie on Fat is a huge problem with this movie because well, he's uh, he's dead. Sorry, you know that's just that's you can just, always yeah. But <laughs> what he's going to come back as a blue ghost? Thing you can't just hang onto a rock. Well, there is there is that thing where he says that he's going to follow her like a ghost, and then there's another ghost line in this particular movie where, where that she says, um, where she talks about some sort of uh, a forgotten ghost. Like she she says something like a forgotten ghost. One of the things that he says right before he's about to die is that I, I, I'll be with you like a ghost. Um, like Patrick they, they, Swayze. Exactly. Well, speaking of things that are 16 years old, Dingus, what is this week's 3 by 3 18 years. <laughs> 18 years. What are you talking about? 18 years since Scratching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Since Ghost. He knows the exact year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's 18. Come on. No, I was it's... talking about Crouching Tiger. Dingus immediately knew and assumed everyone knows when Ghost came out. No, it's the, the first line of the movie is that it's been 18 years since the death of my beloved. Dingus, please, we're it's not 15 or anything else. It's, the, the, the difference between the two movies is 18 years, according to the. Fiction. Oh, okay. Well, I, but but Crouching Tiger was 2000, though, right? Yeah, that's fine. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just talking about what what she says at the beginning and the, yeah, and the, Dingus... in the voiceover. Dingus is so strict about, like, precision and stuff, Kelly. Yeah. No, the kid in White House Down's name is Jimmy, not Ducky. Fuck! Ducky. Chucky. What was that? Anyway, so this week's 3 by 3 is your favorite abandoned buildings. Hmm. This was Dingus's? Well, that was Tom's. <laughs> oh, no. This is Dingus's. <laughs> this is Dingus's? Who's doing the next one? Kelly Wan, you're introducing next week's topic, so why don't you start us off with your third favorite abandoned building? And while you're doing it, uh, think about what your next topic's going to be. <laughs> be sure to check what we've done. Probably it before, too. done yeah. <laughs> I'll change the wording just enough to where a listener will correct. <laughs> By the way, you guys did. Uh, Senses of uh, location. <laughs> Don't give me no, any but ideas. I, in my head, yeah, what are you doing? You're playing with fire. Sorry. It's like giving Trump nuclear codes. That's what you're doing. <laughs> what? Giving Chunk nuclear codes? Have I watched Goonies too long? <laughs> too recently? It sounded like you said giving Chunk nuclear codes. Yeah, that's what codes. I thought he said, too. Yeah, but then I realized I he said Trump. Trump. Trump, all right. I thought he said You heard Trump. me wanted it here. <laughs> we both did. Yes. I we're, wish. We're Goonies apologists, Kelly Wand. When when Chunk starts a nuclear war, he spills a milkshake all over himself. <laughs> and mushes a pizza against the window. Yeah. Oh, my God, we're doing Goonies references. See what I the know. listeners have done to us? Wistfully. <laughs> when all the boys come to his yard. 
I am pretty annoyed that I even remember Goonies as well as I. So uh, tell me, what is your third favorite abandoned building? The restaurant in Goonies. <laughs> it wasn't abandoned. Chuck was in it. Yeah, but it's a movie they, set now, and now they. Here, by the way, is and I. I want to apologize because I screwed something up when Dingus announced this last week that hopefully no one remembers because people might want to talk about this. I was thinking like abandoned building means nobody lives in it. But that's not what an abandoned building is. An abandoned building is someone that the original people have left. So I was thinking, well, wait a minute. If it's in a movie, someone lives there. There's a reason to go there. Or So I was racking my brain trying to think of, okay, something where nobody lives. But So I'm just appealing to you as the 3 by 3 cop thing is an abandoned building can be a place where there were people that lived there, but they left. And maybe now – and they don't own it anymore. They don't have any claim to it. So maybe now new people have come in. But they're technically living in an abandoned building, right? Or another building dumped it. What? But what Tom what? said, yes. I don't know what Kelly said. Okay, so then I totally screwed up when I made some oblique reference to something last week that hopefully the no Cheyenne. one got because it's a cool. No, I, no. I did not say empty buildings. I right. said well, abandoned buildings. Yeah, and the Overlook so, Hotel was not abandoned, by the way. Right, Dingus. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's not abandoned. It's it's. It had ghosts. Stay. Living there during the winter to take care of it. There's yeah. not a band of it. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I just wanted to – yeah, cause I don't know if you guys remember, but I, I jokingly the, said something about a movie that has a really cool abandoned building because people live in it. So I was like, oh, it's not abandoned. But No, but the analog to the Overlook would be an abandoned building, but the Overlook is not an abandoned building. All right. So Kelly Wan, that said, you might be in trouble. What do you got for us? Because I'm with Dingus on this. I've got his side. Uh, on what abandoned means? Yep. <laughs> wow. On, on enforcing the law. We are the law, Kelly Wand. Uh, Carl Urban or Stallone? McAvoy or... <laughs> McAvoy was a Judge Dredd? Now I'm doing a Deadpool reference. Uh, oh, kind good. of straddling Deadpool a little bit. Pretty good. Which I like Deadpool to mash that up. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. This is my most boring one, and I tried a little this week, because you guys made me feel bad. Not uh, trying ever. So, um, but this is my most conventional one. But it's just the first one that came to mind. But it's number three is uh, at the end of Blair Witch. That building kind of. Oh, dang! Why didn't I think of that one? It's just a memorable abandoned building. And another thing that I don't have any idea what you're talking about. How about really? those, hand, those little handprints, Kelly Wand? Yeah, that's memorable. It's, that's it's the most. Yeah. And the, and that that was a real building like made me uneasy. Like, oh wait, but there's a real building with handprints on the wall. Although I think they probably could have just. Well, the thing yeah. about that building, it, it looks like a place that like you would play around in as a kid and think, ooh, this is weird and creepy. And yeah. It just, it just made it just seem so weird and strange after they've been out in the wilderness for so long to end up yeah. in this like rundown edifice that. And they've been led there, so you know it's yeah. bad. Yeah, it was so this, sinister. Even though it just looked like a run-of-the-mill, like, hey, here's an old building with like a wall that doesn't yeah. it fell down, and, and yeah. it's huge, and you can hear her because he's got, even though he's got the sound equipment. So yeah, yeah, her screaming upstairs. and stuff, and, and yeah. yeah, and those handprints. I just remember that. Yeah. Like, what the? <laughs> what did, yeah. Why did they do that? That's freaky. Yeah. Why are they torturing me? <laughs> yeah. That's not cool, man. I didn't come here to be scared. And you and Kelly one. So that's your <laughs> Kelly one. That's your boring one. Well, just because it's like I don't it's just a memorable abandoned building. I don't really there's not too much thematically about it. If Dingus didn't see the movie, I don't want to like bore him. It's okay. It's it, we're well outside. You're, you can If you saw it, you'll go, "Oh, yeah, that one." And then if you didn't see it, 
No, that's just, a good pick. Kelly One, you oh, did I'm try. Blessed. Well done. Well, the other two are less stupid than the other one. <laughs> there is but, no wand. There is only try. But yeah. My number three favorite abandoned building, and here's one where I was thinking, like assuming that you know the fact that Dingus has validated my my definition. People live in this building, but it's been abandoned. Uh, it's where Tyler Durden and the narrator live in Fight Club. Absolutely, oh, that's a great one. Yeah, there's a abandoned house, and there's like the wallpaper, and it's dripping rain down. <laughs> and there's a point where uh, there's like all the the journals that's, that's, that that the narrator's reading. That you know, I am Jack's diseased liver. Like all that stuff, it just happens to be sitting in there. I think he's riding a bicycle around at some point. Yeah, um, bathtub. The bathtub. So I've heard that scene referred to as as homoerotic. Is you know, uh, I forget which one of them is in the tub, but like one of them's naked in the tub, and the other one is like I don't know, brushing his hair or whatever. Um, and I always thought it's kind of weird to consider it homoerotic when really. It, it's place. it's psychological. Like this yeah. is this yeah. isn't two dudes who are into each other. This is one right. dude who's and these are two facets of him. Uh, there's nothing homoerotic, maybe autoerotic. Um, Plus they're both having sex with the same girl. Right, 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 exactly. Right. You want to um, finish her off? Uh, so, but I, I love this house, and I love how all of my abandoned buildings, by the way. I feel like they're very specifically as a kind of a metaphor for someone's psychology or for something. So this idea that this empty, run-down building and that these two men are setting up house in this building, it's Playing a metaphor. Golf it. yeah. It's like what? Playing golf off it. Playing golf off it and setting up house, you know, just the scene in the bathroom and all these kind of like weird domestic-ish scenes. Um, that that's a metaphor for what's going on with the narrator's psychology. His head is empty. Yeah. He's setting up house with these two versions of himself. Um, and I just love the look of it. I love the scene where they're in the basement because the fuse is blown, and yeah. they're standing in knee-deep water yeah. like, flipping yeah. the switches. Just the, yeah. the, dis- the carelessness of that scene is just so endearing. Yeah, and that's such a clear understanding of what the subconscious is. I mean, they're in knee-deep water. It's so dangerous. Right. And at any moment, this could kill them. They've gone and into the guy. Yeah, That's yeah. a great choice. I didn't even think of it. That's great. They like uh, to get fucked up in basements. That's uh, the motif, you say. Ah, very good. Because yeah. the, first, the first fight we see is in a basement, right? Yeah. Wait, why don't they just do the fight clubs in that basement? Well, it's their house. They don't want to. Yeah. They don't want to mess it up. Right. Yeah. You don't shit where you eat. Yeah. Okay, sorry, what were you saying, Tom? Uh, I was going to ask Dingus what his third favorite abandoned building is. She seems older than she is, huh? Uh, something Scarlett Johansson. I was going to say The Shining. Uh, no, it's from Z for Zechariah. And it's the uh, very first scene of the movie where she goes into this uh, county public library. And the way she gets in there, and then this is one of the things that, I mean, you guys loved this movie much more than I did. But I still really, really liked it. And I liked that that first sequence because it reminded me, and I hope I'm scooping anybody. I don't think I would be. It reminded me of The Road, but it made me think of how much more I liked this movie than I liked The Road. Um, when she goes into that, when she's going through the the town and she breaks through the door, there's so many little layers that I really like about this scene um, where she uses a car jack to open up this oh, yeah. library, uh, which is called the County Public Library. And she uses a car jack to open it up and she goes in and she's just scrounging. She's trying to find things, um, but she's not just trying to find things for survival. 
she's trying to find things for mental survival as well. And she's going through the, the stacks of books, and it's kind of a weird-looking building. The curtains are weird, but it's a small-town library, so what are you going to do? But it's an, a, an abandoned library, and she's going through the stacks. And I think one of the books she takes off the shelf is To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, but I just like that she's taking a couple of books in addition to all of the other things that she's taking for so for her survival supplies. And then later on, when you see her lying in bed, you see that she's got bookshelves there and it's clear. Okay. She needs these things for a different kind of survival than just getting uh, bottles of water or uh, food or whatever. She's going into town to get other things. I love that, that you, you see, it says County public library as she's going in there but I love the way that she gets into it with that car jack. Genghis, what is the big-budget movie equivalent of that scene? Oh, good Lord. Would it be 2012 or uh, The Day After Tomorrow? I'm thinking Oblivion, when Tom Cruise goes into the library. and Is it supposed to be like the New York library? Or? Oh, yeah, you might be right. And yeah. he finds the book, and there's a – you didn't understand that movie as well as I did, so no. I can't blame you for not remembering that scene. That's, that's <laughs> I'm thinking of Jake Gyllenhaal going into something in, like, in The Day After Tomorrow. But that might be something else. How do you? I can't believe you remember a single thing about Day After Tomorrow. I didn't even remember Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. Is that the one where wolves? Where Dennis Quaid says something about they've reached critical salinity? Yeah, well, that's the one that that's, that's the quote you say that. Right, right, that's the only thing I remember about that movie. I couldn't have told you Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal was in that. But that opening moment of Z for Zachariah, uh, so happy that yeah. that moment. Wait, that's from DC. And you don't know it's a her, and she's got that that weird like um, that. She's she's totally masked up, and she's got that alarm on her wrist. You know, I, I love that all that stuff. Thing is, is the church in Z for Zachariah abandoned? No. Okay, very good. You you answered correctly, even though you're the cop here. I just needed to double check. <laughs> very good. Kelly Wan, what is your second favorite abandoned building in a movie? My number two abandoned building favorite for this contest is in the movie Return to Oz with Feruza Balk. She goes back to the Emerald City, and it's all, like, tweaked, and everybody's dead, and it's like a nuclear war happened. And, like, the wizard's palace is all, like, in shambles, and everything's all... It's like a broken light bulb. Things, is this a thing? Is he making this up? It turned Oz. Uh, and then at the end of the movie... Uh, the only thing I know about Feruza Balk is, I think, gas food lodging. The craft? Oh, the craft. Hello. Jeez, dingus. Get with yeah, the program. Yeah, Get a load of him. Gas food lodging. Mr. Fried Green Tomatoes over there. Good lord. Yeah, Mr. Steel Magnolias. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, all right, so what, Oz gets nuked? Okay, Crossing Delancey. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Oz gets nuked, you're saying? Yeah, Oz gets, gets nuked, nuked by the Gnome King. And the, the, and the movie's kind of like sort of depressing looking, like a Ridley Scott movie. Um, so then at the end when they fix Oz, it's strangely kind of not that different. Like, it's supposed to be like, oh, it's like a nuclear war hit it. And then afterwards at the end, it's like, oh, look, it's slightly better. <laughs> so, Return to Oz. Is this the one two. where they're all black? Oh, my uh, God. What? <laughs> the Wiz? The Wiz. Yeah, yeah. There's like that movie kind of freaked me out, too. Yeah. No, that's there's no songs in Return to Oz. I think that's why it was a huge flop. That's but I kind of liked it. There's got the wheelers in it. Are they like a gang a lot of bicycles or something? Yeah, they're like a creepy gang. So they, they look like they should have been in the Wiz, but they're white. They just have wheels for feet. 
You're making this sound like the movie The Warriors. Also, if you touch the desert, Tom, around Oz, you turn, you uh, die instantly. So, Is that true? Yeah. So she, I know that so, you like. Isn't there a thing in the original movie? I saw it once. Like where you lie down in daffodils, you fall asleep or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of death poppies. 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 Right. 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 Should yeah. Pop. Yeah. So Daffodil. don't kittens invade. Tom, did you know in the sixth Oz book, Dorothy has Uncle Henry and Aunt M brought to Oz because she's sick of hearing the bitch about the mortgage, so she just moved. <laughs> First of all, I didn't know there were six books. I mean, good lord, man. There's a million. That no Frank There's Baum guy could really milk an idea, could be. Yeah, he's certainly good. Ah, uh, they're really good. The sequel to Steve Jobs is going to be The Return to Oz. See, Kelly Wan, see what I have to put up with? See Every what happens when you encourage him? Day, something it's like just like that. Stallone. Oh, wow. Just like Stallone. <laughs> My second favorite abandoned building uh, is a building that actually inspired the movie. The movie was written specifically because the director, um, and I don't know about the writer, but the director claims that he made this movie because he would drive by this building every so often and think, man, i got to make a movie about that building. So he did. And that movie, well, the building was a Danvers State like medical hospital thing that was closed down in Massachusetts. Ah. Uh, and the movie is yeah. Session 9, yeah. uh, which yeah. Brad Anderson directed. One of the actors, his name is Stephen Javedin, Javedon, whatever. Uh, he wrote the movie. Um, and it is set, it's kind of a haunted house set in this Danvers, in this abandoned hospital, uh, mental hospital. They did very little set dressing in the, in this thing. I mean, it, it had all like it. What you see in the movie is not really exaggerated at all. Like, there's one scene I think where they hung up some meat hooks to make it look more ominous, but otherwise, pretty much everything in there was in there was stuff they actually found. Uh, super uh, creepy. Uh, peanut butter jar? No, go where the uh, no. That's stuff they bring, right? Uh, yeah, because it shows them because they bring in food. The peanut butter yeah. jar scene is is a sign that Craig Lucas has been uh, not Craig Lucas. What's his name? Josh. Josh Lucas has been uh, gallivanting about, I believe. Yeah. Uh, they bring in their own food. Although it is interesting, there was an early cut where a culprit in the movie was a homeless woman who lived there, uh, and that whole subplot got cut out, which is good because it kind of made no sense. It was weird. I think it wait, from. I thought the crazy guy at the, the end of the movie, that's that was his peanut butter jar, and he was just nuts, and that he was eating peanut butter down there. So now you've just blown my mind, if you're right. Uh, I could be wrong. Well, the, the point of the Danvers, of the building, and what they do with the building, like in Fight Club, it being uh, kind of a metaphor for the psychology, is Peter Mullen is this crazy, <laughs> broken, insane guy who's just murdered his wife. Uh, yeah. And when he shows up to this insane asylum, which is haunted by a real supernatural spirit, by the way, he becomes like a, a vessel for the spirit. Actually, no, he hasn't killed his wife yet. He goes to the insane asylum. He gets infected by Simon. Then he kills his wife. Uh, What's the thing in the eye called? A th- meat thermometer? Uh, it's like a lobotomy needle or something. A lobotomy needle? Yeah. Huh. Uh, sucker punch? I don't know that it's a sucker punch. Remember the the creepiest thing in Session 9 is, uh, and this is the movie that taught me that that's probably always creepy in a movie, is was the wheelchair. Some kind of creepy about a wheelchair. I don't know. Yeah, like I I kind of thought, well, surely I've seen that in a video game before, but I, I think that might be like the first. Oh, you know what? There's a movie called The Changeling with George C. Scott where it goes right. in a wheelchair, right? Really? Isn't that's there? different, though. 
No, I was just thinking, like, why would I was thinking, why would we think that wheelchairs are scary? Because that's a really scary scene in wheelchair in session nine. Brought down by itself to a basement where there are furnaces. (laughs) This part. (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, (laughs) like, where's the occupant exactly? Like, there's a lot of things about it. It's like finding a child's shoe down there. Right. Right. But I do so. think that wheelchairs had been established as something vaguely scary before Session 9. Um, yeah, but I remember reading yeah. uh, that the they... Strangelove did that. Mm, right. No, not scary. Uh, Are you scared of Dr. Strangelove, Dingus? Oh, yeah. Uh, the wheelchair was something they found there and they left it, I remember reading. Like, they didn't just use that. Or, they, I mean, they didn't... Just bring it in, right. ...prop wheelchair. It was like, oh, my God, that's so creepy. And then they shot it. And also, Doctor Strange, a lot of the same thing. Uh, and any movie, by the way, where Larry Fessenden gets killed, I think uh, you can, like, you, you know, you're next, first of all, uh, Session right. 9. Like, right. I think that's a great yeah. thing to have in your movie, and it's basically going to elevate it's money. Yeah. yeah. Have Larry Fessenden show up and get killed. That's always a good thing to do. My favorite should have been in the crouching tire. My favorite thing in thinking about Session 9 uh, and I, I thought about it this week, obviously. Um, it, whenever I think about how much I love that movie and how creepy it is, it always shocks me. It, there's always this weird, shocking moment when I realize David Caruso was in that movie. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't watch that, what's he on? Like Miami CSI or whatever? Like, if you yeah. didn't watch the show he's in, I don't think it's as weird. Because I just thought of him as the guy from Jade, that William Friedman. <laughs> I don't, and, and and I know I'd seen like a YouTube video where he's putting on glasses, whatever. I didn't understand that. Like that meme made no sense to me. So, but yeah, I can understand how that might have looked weird to some people. He said that Jane will be someday appreciated as a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> but he isn't he good in uh, in session nine though? Like right? Like yeah, he's, you know, he's great. Yeah. He's a really good actor. He just yeah, he just got ahead of himself and and totally mismanaged his career. What's the weird he movie? Suzanne Summers and Fair Fawcett. Suzanne Summers like left Three's Company to do movies and stuff up to the first couple seasons. Well, he did movies early on. I remember him yeah. as a teenager doing this weird, like it's a, it's it predates Predator. It's about an alien that comes to Earth and it hunts people, and uh, David Caruso is one of the it's teenagers enough. that gets hunted. It's called Without Warning, and the same guy who was in the Predator <laughs> suit, by the way, is in the alien suit in this. He kills people by throwing a little freshy, uh, fleshy frisbee. Freshy, freshy frisbee. <laughs> it's a frisbee that is made out of like some organic stuff, and it sticks to you, and I don't know how it That's David Prowse who's in that suit, Tom. I uh, think it's just way too disrespectful of Mr. Prowse. Is David Prowse dead, by the way? I don't know. I think he's dead, and it's way too disrespectful of you to talk about him like that. <laughs> I, I love him in Session Nine. I think of him as silly because of CSI Miami, because he was such a tool in that movie, in that well, show. He's a tool in Session Nine, though, too, isn't he? Yeah. Like, he's just such a no, but he uh, he was a tool as an actor. Right. I mean, it's oh, it, okay, right, right. It's clear that all that sunglasses stuff is for a reason. But what's what's the movie he was in <laughs> with? For the lobotomy thing. It's what's for what? the. It's a setup for the lobotomy thing. Oh, okay. What's the movie that he was in with Samuel Jackson where where Samuel L. Jackson has to keep like dabbing his eye because he's been shot in the eye and his now his eye keeps keeps running. Hudson Do you guys Hawk? remember that? Hudson Hawk? K nineteen. Not Hudson Hawk. Is he in Hudson Hawk? 
No. Oh, yeah, he is. Oh, that's right. Yeah. See, Dingus, see, Mr. Oh, I love Hudson Hawk. Guess who knows more about it than you? Huh. Very good. And what's the na- what's his name in that movie? Something like Crybaby or something? Or No, no it's Kit Kat, because all Kit-Kat. of them are named after candy bars. Oh, that's so precious. And he's great in that. He, yeah. he does a great job in that. Oh, he doesn't yeah, remember. Tom, reason. I totally forgot he was in Hudson Hawk. What you're saying, Dingus, does I, – I, this does sound familiar to me. Like him being shot in the eye and having like a weeping – wound or something in his yeah, eye. Yeah, but I can't remember what yeah. what movie it was, but I do remember him having some something of a movie career until he started to be a joke. Yeah. Uh, but I love him in Session 9. Well, and Peter Mullen, too. Like, in Session 9, I had no idea who Peter Mullen was until I, I saw that, and then, you know, wanting to go back and see stuff that he's done and seeing him show up in things like a movie I'll mention in a minute. Uh, yeah, I love Peter Mullen. Yeah, that guy can do no wrong. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, session nine, Dingus, what do you have that's better than Z for Zachariah's abandoned library, but not as good as your number one pick? All right, this is kind of a crappy movie, but um, I really like it, and I really like this abandoned building. Uh, here's a quote from it 25000 bucks. That's a lot of money to pay for a dame without a head. Sin City. <laughs> no? Uh, 51 Grams. Or Barton Fink. Sure, I had it. Fifty-one grams. Uh, is that the sequel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm nobody, blind. Nobody pays for a woman without a head in twenty-one grams. It's not that. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's from a movie called Citizen Kane. And oh my the, gosh! I think it's, <laughs> could we please keep movies from the last hundred years? Just stick to the last hundred years. <laughs> it's, I think nineteen forty-one qualified. No, Citizen Kane is yeah. from like nineteen o two. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it doesn't even have sound. So I love Xanadu. I, I love the. I mainly, Wait, Xanadu's an abandoned building? He lives there. I know. Uh, uh, it's abandoned, and they're having to get rid of everything that's in the. In oh, the place. right, right, right. Okay. Um, and oh. that's how you find out. And that's like sort of the. You know, when, when Rosebud gets thrown into the furnace. Um, but I just love the way. Um, I'm just thinking of that warehouse at the end of uh, Raiders and the way that uh, Xanadu looks with everything being boxed up and, and the way everybody's taking care of all of, that, all of that and how all of that is intercut with with them actually abandoning the house. But but Xanadu is, is, is abandoned and, and everything has to be taken care of. And that, that, that line about... Um, I guess the Venus de Milo, or one of the many Venus de Milo that they have, that twenty-five thousand bucks is a lot to pay for a dame without a head. I, I just, I love that whole, that whole sense of of Xanadu and and what it means for Citizen Kane. Kelly, one, do you have any questions about Citizen Kane? Did me or Dingus finally answer? Citizen, finally Citizen Kane's number two on a list. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kelly, is that one a question. Yeah. <laughs> Question mark. Kelly Wand, what would you say if someone said, what's the best abandoned building in a film or motion picture that you know of? All right, I'll do a line from it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've noticed. <laughs> All right, I'll do the line before that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I can take care of myself. Oh. Something where someone can take care of him or herself. And someone else notices this. Right. <laughs> do, you, do you know it, Dingus? Yeah. You just, I have no you know, idea. There's a few characters. 
Uh, it's the movie Aliens. And it's that facility on uh, planet HV420, or whatever it's called. 420. 420. Yeah. That's what you're calling it, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Yeah, it's the planet Four. and Aliens. 420. And, and Aliens. made me forget the number. Isn't it 471? LV-471. 271? Dead gum. No, that's the Stormtrooper's number. And, uh, Shut up. It is not. I know this. Factors. You screwed it up. Right. I knew it at one point. And with your 420 it's, joke, you screwed it up. And you knocked it out of my head. It's the name of episode 8. It's HD-421, isn't it? It's not HD. It's LV. I know it's LV. It's HD-420. I don't want to say 421, but that can't be right because that's like 420. God damn it, Kelly Wand. <laughs> look this up. There's only one number worth knowing, Tom. You don't need to look it up. All right, so tell us why this is uh, your favorite abandoned building. And actually, you better check with the cops to see if this is going to play. It's an abandoned building, but it's not. Okay, there's aliens and a nuclear reactor in it and um, cocoons with people in it. But it's technically abandoned, except by Newt. So I think I win, and that's my number one. I just remember being really impressed that it felt like a real facility on it, even though it was just a bunch of sets. But it that was something that was really interesting about the first alien was that it all felt like a giant really annoying spaceship to live on <laughs> and aliens kind of i was like this would be a shitty place to live but it all felt sort of connected it's the only it's one of the few action movies besides die hard one where i really felt invested in the geography and like that that it was actually happening where it was supposed to be happening as opposed to say crouching tiger 2 where i thought it was just happening in front of a screen bunch of fucking speeder bikes blah 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 wah 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 aliens my number so, my number one favorite abandoned building lv426 dingus is that gonna fly yeah. the whole complex I like that i like that so LV426 is my number one abandoned building. It's not as good as your Blair Witch one, but it's better than your Return to Oz. Narrowly edging out Logan's Run's White House. It's my <laughs> almost number one. All right, Dingus, tell me again the name of the topic. Your favorite abandoned buildings. Okay, so basically a site where no one has, has vacated, right? What? So it's a site that has been vacated no one's by people, been, uh, right? It's a building that has been abandoned. Okay, so on this site, there has to be an <laughs> edifice of some sort. I mean, it's, right? Like, as long as something was built on this site. Do what you're going to do. My Regardless favorite says. abandoned site hey, thanks, man. in a movie, I'm going to give you a line. Don't you walk away from me, young lady. Um, that is from RoboCop 2. <laughs> this is in Berlin. The particular site was an amusement park. Oh, Bridge of oh. Spies. We're doing it's, Hannah now? It is abandoned. It's an amusement oh. park in Berlin. There is a building there that is abandoned. It's like the Grimm's fairy tale, like like shack. Oh, or, I'm good with this. I like this Hannah. Okay, okay because Hannah. Yeah, that's fine. If pressed, I was going to have to use Grimm's house, but no, I don't think Grimm's house has been abandoned. That's where he lives. But it's part of the the abandoned amusement park, though. Yeah, uh, I know. But but the building you're talking about, I think those are buildings. So that's fine. Yeah. But are they coming back? Are people coming back there? No, no. It's a dead. It, it's dead. It's overgrown by leaves. I love how green it is. Like it's sort of like the the surrounding foliage has reclaimed the roller coaster and the swan boats and the little wooden walkways. Uh, and I think where Grimm lives. 
is also abandoned. Like it's not abandoned in that he lives there and when you go inside, it looks like his house. But I think it's part of this abandoned amusement park. Um, and I like you – know, his house is fine. It's got the cool thing where like in the front room where the mushrooms are hanging upside down. Uh, but the park at large, that that scene with the tunnel with Kate, Kate Blanchett walking out of the wolf's mouth tunnel is just like staggering that they got yeah. something that looks that amazing, that plays so well into the, the idea of Hannah being a fairy tale. Uh the the swan boats that she jumps over um there's uh, like she goes past some some uh it's like a roller coaster thing uh and when Kate Blanchett gets shot I had remembered that she falls down a slide but just mm-hmm. watching it I realized oh wait a minute that's not a slide that is a, a log flume ride right just that it has no water and it's not like a nice smooth slide. Like there's bumps on the way down. Her going down it is super like uncomfortable looking and undignified, um, which definitely plays into the, the significance of her death. Like she's been so poised throughout the movie, um, and she just rolls down a dirty slide, bumping her head along the way. Um, so I love that. Oh, and it's got these plastic dinosaurs when Hannah first arrives that have like fallen over and come apart. Uh, uh, there's uh, a in the tunnel chase, she sees a deer, which is very much like you know the the deer that she kills in the right, first part right. of the movie, uh, which also reminds me of. I don't think anybody would pick this, so I'm going to say it. Isn't there a scene in Children of Men where there's a deer in a schoolyard, in, a, in like a schoolhouse? Yeah. I, I actually was very close on this one. Oop, oop. It, but that's okay. Uh, that's not what I chose, but it was – there is there is a school. Yeah. And I love that concept of showing that it's abandoned, that, that it's reclaimed by nature by just having something as skittish as a deer walking around in right. it. Right. Uh, and the the, the – I don't remember much about the building itself in Children of Men, but the significance of it being a school in a movie about the world having no longer having children in right, it. Right, right. Uh, that's, that certainly is a great – it's a great concept for that movie, even yeah. if the building – it's just like a, a classroom, a dusty classroom. Uh, but I just love the visuals of the amusement park in Hannah. Uh, I, I love that it's kind of representative of a, a lost childhood, uh, right. which, is, which is Hannah's plight more or less. So that is my favorite abandoned site in a movie. Hey, my number one Spike Club. I was kidding before. <laughs> <laughs> I like that choice a lot because um, when I I didn't get that far. Uh, when I was thinking about Hannah, I was thinking about their cabin as being abandoned by them um, at the beginning. Not at the beginning, but at, as them having to leave it, and they're never going to return this place. So, so their cabin is now abandoned. Um, uh, when I was thinking, I was thinking about that, but I didn't get to the point of the amusement park, which I think is a better choice. Hannah does a great thing though, where it, it exists, like it begins in this place that nature has claimed is prohibitively difficult Finland snowy wilderness. Right. It then progresses into different settings, including like a warm desert with a with a with a government installation, and then Morocco with all these people, and then Berlin, which is more civilized, and then it ultimately ends in a place that resembles the, the snowy Arctic wilderness by having all this greenery and the rundown amusement park. Right. All right, Dingus, what do you got that's better than uh, Citizen Kane? All right, here's a quote from it. <laughs> Please say hello to me. 
Mm. I don't think I've seen this. Or you have not seen this. When a stranger calls. Oh, it's it's. I know what it is. What? Uh, Singing in the rain. Is from a movie called I Am Legend. Um. I, uh, and it is the video store. Um. There's a couple different abandoned. Or, I mean, there's a plethora of abandoned buildings in these kind of post-apocalyptic movies. It's kind of an easy way to go, but I did this for two of my choices. Um, but I just love the way that he uses this video store as a way, even though it's abandoned, he tries to repopulate it with mannequins. And it's part of his weird, it's, I don't know if you would call it pathology, but it might be the reverse of that. It's him trying to cope. Uh, he's going here to try to socialize with people. This is where he gets his videos. Uh, this is where he's maybe going to get um, a date with uh, this woman. Uh, this is, you know, he talks to a guy outside the door who's wearing a cool hoodie. Don't leave that out there. Uh, I think that's Frank that's out there that eventually is the downfall of Sam. Um, but he goes in there and he has all of the interactions he's going to have or be able to have with quote-unquote people in this abandoned store. Um, uh, so it's the video store in I Am Legend. He goes in to hit on the poor clerk. I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, he's not hitting on the clerk. He's hitting on another she's patron. Oh, he's hitting on the customers. That's even worse. He's going to drive the customers away. Uh, of course. So how is he going to get a date other than going to uh, like rent a movie and say, hey, what are you renting? Oh, Who rents uh, movies? Yeah. Online dating services. You know, well, this uh, is, that's why movies. this is this is a period piece. It was from 1941, same year this is, and out. So same thing. I just think, you know, he shouldn't be hitting on those poor girls. I don't think he's don't hitting. Think I mean, he's just, he can barely say hi to her. And it's only because... The fact that he's not good at it doesn't mean he's not hitting on her, Dingus. Yeah. It's like the sun in Jurassic World. Well, I think he, you know, in Jurassic World's one of my runners-up, by the way. Um, I think he, I don't think he's hitting on her. I think he's slapping on her at the best. Is that better or worse than hitting on her? What? It's worse. Slapping on her. Uh, uh, all right. Okay. Uh, so far, no no police actions. Dingus, let's see if that this is maintained through the listener submissions. What, what right. do you have for us? First, we have Paul Weimer. You might have thought I had abandoned sending pics the last two weeks, but I am back. Thanks, Welcome Paul. back. Uh, number three, the movie isn't worth seeing otherwise, but the eponymous House on Haunted Hill, the 90s remake, is a gorgeous and wondrous edifice to set the story in. Beautiful bedrooms, gothic calls, an evocative greenhouse, and much more. Pity neither the plot nor the actors live up to the visuals. Number two for Paul Weimer, the abandoned and decrepit apartment building at the climax of It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. It's a wonderful setting for the principals to have the chase for the $250,000 to come. Oh, yeah, yeah. Crashing clothes for everyone involved. The side of the group scrambling over each other as they ascend... The staircase chasing after Stanley Kramer uh, after him is delightful. And gas stations, if they fuck it up, huh? Uh, Paul Weimer's number one. One of the best things about John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness is the creepy and chillingly abandoned and closed church setting that the characters are soon trapped within as the evil, long kept within the ridiculous cylinder in the basement, starts to break free. Uh Taps into a fear of cylinders. I've never seen Prince of Darkness. I, I don't what? recommend it. No. Okay. Taps into a fear of Alice Cooper. <laughs> uh, 
want Alice fear Cooper having our, our fear of Alice Cooper having nowhere to live. Uh, <laughs> remember, he kills a guy with a bicycle. Tom. Mm, okay. So Paul is thankful that Goonies wasn't as bad as we feared. Uh, next, we have another Paul. This is Paul. How do you say Chenevere? Uh, Paul Chenevere, hello there. Tom said in the last podcast that he'd use the same movie for all three of his abandoned building picks. I'll try the same and choose the movie It Follows. Uh, oh. Which is I was going to say, Paul, I was just – so I, I would I would have mentioned this before, but when you introduced the topic, I immediately thought of Session 9. So I was, I was just joking, saying Session 9, Session 9, Session 9. It's such a quintessential abandoned building to me. So, Paul, I'm, I didn't do that. Sorry if I disappointed It you. Follows is a good one. Uh, I was thinking of this the the pool thing, but I didn't know if it's abandoned. Anyway, which is set in Detroit because nobody does abandoned like Detroit. Yeah. Uh, it follows has number three, the pool building, which is a very stately, even ominous building isolated in a sea of lawn. It turns out it's an old water treatment plant in reality, but it's a great place for all your final battle needs anyway. Uh. Paul's, Paul Chenevere's number two. The house the rapist boyfriend hides in. It's a regular abandoned house, but the fact that there are comic book pages pasted on the windows creates a very interesting lighting for the scene. It's also a nice touch that there are cans tied up by a wire to warn if the guy the warn the guy if the monster is coming. Can the follows monster use elevators? Only if they're in a straight line. Paul's number one, the office building where the sex scene happens. It's got everything you could ever ask for in an abandoned building. Cement, overgrowth, protruding rusty rebar, graffiti, and even a wheelchair you can tie the heroin on. There you go. Mm. See? Wheelchair creepy. Yeah, see? Extra trivia. They couldn't shoot in the abandoned building they had originally chosen because a murder had just been committed there. How authentic is that? Thanks. Thanks for the podcast, Paul uh, Chenevere. Paul, yeah. So, Paul, my uh, touchstone for how Detroit is awesome for that Eight Mile makes great use of these abandoned locations in Detroit. Oh, Curtis Hanson thing with Eminem. Yeah. Also, Detroit Rock City. Also, really- uh, Dingus, what's the Jim Jarmusch uh, glacial vampire movie? Only Lovers Left Alive. Oh, that, good. that has some good abandoned Detroit. I was worried about – I wanted the pool thing, but the pool is full. Yeah, the pool is full and seems to be well cared for. Yeah, it's clean. Kelly Wand, at the end of Jennifer's body, does is don't they go into like a rundown abandoned pool? Yeah. Yeah, so that's what an abandoned pool would look like. All right. And Ricochet has a pool too. Jennifer's body has a great sense of place. Oh, yeah, she also has a date in the abandoned building, Tom, and Jennifer's body with that film school dude. Yeah. How about that? Oh, right. Well, that's not an abandoned harsh. building. I think that's one that's being constructed, isn't it? No, because all the other lights are out in all the other houses. Well, they don't. The block. They don't turn the lights on when they're building a, a house until people move. No, in. no. All the other houses are all dark. <laughs> it's like an abandoned section of town. You might be right, but I thought it was a new development that was just underway. Okay. I hate you. No, you might be right because you were right about Michelle Yeoh leaping off the end of a mountain at the beginning. Andrew, dream. <laughs> yeah. Next, we have Grant Stewart. Good topic. For the avoidance of doubt, I have chosen three abandoned buildings and movies which have no permanent human residence. Mm-hmm. I avoided engineering structures, spaceships, etc. Number three, <laughs> Grant Stewart. Here's a quote. 
I was saving that bacon. All right. Um, I love that quote very, very much, Grant. Uh, do you guys know what I was saving that bacon is from? It's from it's all right. Last Man on Earth, the TV show. Close. It's from I Am Legend. Uh, the abandoned building that Artists. Will Smith's dog bolts into in I Am Legend is super creepy. Also, the stakes seem raised by the dog Jeopardy. Dog Jeopardy. <laughs> that, that show gets such poor ratings. Um, uh, Grant says, which always tugs in the heartstrings. Uh, yeah, that's a great one. I, I, there's so many great buildings in that, but I'm glad somebody else chose I Am Legend. Thank you, Grant. Grant's number two, Under the Skin. I can't remember what? any quotes from this one, but I remember clearly the abandoned building that Scarlett Johansson gets attacked in because I stayed there a few months before I saw the film. What? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things wrong with that sense. <laughs> yeah. Does he mean that ranger station place, like out in the woods? Uh, I don't know. Let me keep reading. Uh, I stayed there a few months before I saw the film. It's a bothy on the... I don't know what bothy means. Uh, it's a bothy Wait, on the spell, bank. You, like B-O-T-H-I? B-O-T-H-Y. A bothy? Kelly One, not everything is Star Wars. How many times do I have to tell you that? What? I didn't mean that. It's a buffy on the banks of Loch Lamond, which is a rest stop for people walking the West Highland Way. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a popular 100-mile walk between um, Milngavy and Fort William. This isn't important, but I want to hear you pronounced Milngavy. (laughs) Thanks, Grant. You jerk. No, wait, if it's a popular way station, how how is it that it's abandoned? Wait, what are you doing, Grant? Because, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what he's doing, but he wants to hear me pronounce Milling. Oh, God, now I'm not going to even do it. Milingavi. Listeners, if you have words you want Dingus to pronounce, send them in to 3x3 at quarter3.com. All right. How about Karaski? I do that. that. I've had a lot of practice. I do that right every week, Kelly Wan. Twice every week. Um. Uh, I love that I can immediately see that place, though. That's great. I thought I too was wondering if he was talking about the house that she leads men into. At first, that's what I thought he was talking about. But I've got the book all in my brain, so I don't know. I guess that 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 house that she's talking about. I don't know that would qualify as being abandoned as something that they would just have rented. For their nefarious needs. It might even be like a disguised spaceship or something, for all we know. Well, that's a different thing. Like the things? Grant Stewart's number one choice, which hopefully has more things for me to pronounce. Um, Here's another quote. (laughs) The Cranky Reader. (laughs) The Cranky Reader, (laughs) which is the sequel to The Accidental Tourist. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ready? Hope you... <laughs> his his armchair has like uh, steam <laughs> coming up. William series. Hurt will will star with me in the cranky reader. It's right. flipping you off with the armrests. Like Grant cool. Stewart's number one. Here's another quote. I like to keep this handy for close encounters. LB426. Ah, 426. According to Grant Stewart, yeah. the building on LV426 is abandoned. Forty-six, barring a small girl who is more of an interloper. No, she lived there. How can she be interloping in her home? 
Well, then it's not abandoned, I guess. It's abandoned by everyone but Newt. That yeah, works. And right? aliens. Yeah. yeah, but if everybody leaves your house but you, it doesn't mean it's abandoned. She's anyway. abandoned. Uh, are you, you going to pull Grant Stewart over for that dingus? Because I'll, I'll, I'll be his defense lawyer. No, okay. she was living with her family. She had to go to this building instead. Uh, uh, as all the residents have been rounded up and stashed into the nuclear reactors. I only recently saw the extended version of Alien in which Ripley finds the crew of the Nostromo rounded up and pinned to the wall and realized that Cameron ripped this off. I well, it was just Dallas. Wait, yeah, what, what version did he call this of Alien? Extended cut. Oh, it's okay. Right. Extended. She only finds Dallas cocooned in that. Uh, all ta-ta, the gentlemen. Uh, there is in the original script, Kelly One. She was also, I think, supposed to find Brett. Uh, well, that makes sense. I think. Well, right. Yeah. But they wouldn't cocoon John Hurt. That's a waste of food. They got a use out of him. Yeah, they're done with him. Veronica He's Lambert, also a though. cigarette, but yeah. All right, so next we have something from somebody named Hendrick Thiel. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that, Kelly Wand? Uh, just laughing at me having names. to pronounce names yeah. and things. And how Dingus said it that's solemnly. It's Hendrick Thiel. So I'm going to say that. <laughs> and, if, and if Hendrick, and his middle initial is Z, which is awesome. Uh, uh, if he good. needs me to say it a different way, please let me know, Hendrick. Um, uh, hi, Tom, Christian, and Kelly. So happy that I can find out for finally participate in the 3-Way-3 because I listened to the episodes completely out of order and only after I saw the movie, so thanks to the Goonies, I guess. Number three, the city of Pripyat in Chernobyl Diaries. Ah, very setting bonus points for the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Ah, that's a great one. Come on, Tom. No, I, I always like a little Pripyat. Uh, I think yeah. that's, a, that's a great one. Definitely choose the, the the building that had the bear in it. What's more abandoned? Radiation than bear. That? Oh, we haven't thought of radiation bear, bear in a while. We love yeah. radiation yeah. bear. Aww. Chernobyl Diaries. Fuck, that's such a good one. How come nobody voted for that in the listener raffle? Yeah. Favorite abandoned amusement parks. Tom chose one. There's another great one. Uh, Hendrix, number two. Hugh's house, and it follows. I really like the fact that the house seemed to be built in a way that every room had two exits, which yeah. fit really well with Hugh's understanding of the creature's methods. And Hendrix number one, the abandoned asylum in session nine. Yeah. Abandoned asylums are a dime a dozen in scary movies, but this one stayed with me, even if I can't really tell you why. Heartfelt thanks for the insight and laughter, and I hope Germany treats Kelly well. Hendrick Peel. Nah. Six or one. All right. Uh, Arthur uh, Jovangeli. Number three, Jumanji. What? The abandoned Paris shoe factory. (laughs) (laughs) We see the factory. We, We see the factory in operation early in the movie and the derelict abandoned shell later on. It shows just how much. Alan's disappearance changed the town. Okay, who here uh, knows what he's talking about? Not a bunch of Jumanji fans here, I see. Apparently not. The How listeners also were quiet. Arthur's number two, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The abandoned hotel in the ghost town where Tuco and Blondie uh, are reunited. Uh, 
Tuco uses the hotel to take a gleeful bath, at least until he's interrupted by a man seeking revenge. Ghost towns and westerns rarely disappoint, and this town and hotel are no exception. There's no ghosts in ghost towns, Tom. What do you think about mm. that? There can be. Yeah, but not necessarily. Are there goats? Yeah. Arthur's number one, The Prestige. What? Robert Angier okay. converts an abandoned theater in a sketchy part of London into a location where he can work on his newest version of The Transported Man. Angier also uses this building to store his prestige materials, and in order to preserve his trick, he only hires blind people to work there. The theater itself looks fantastic, run down, but nonetheless still grand and interesting. God, I don't remember any of that. I need to see this again. I do. Yeah. That, and I think that is an awesome choice. He hires only blind people? Yeah. Cause, How do they get anything done? <laughs> well, because they can hear, because they can put, they can poke a stick through like a, a, a hanging. Never mind. Go ahead. Make your Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny reference. I'm not going to do that. But they, <laughs> but they don't have to watch what happens in the trick. That's why they're... No, I get the idea. I love that, but I just don't remember that. Why do? Why would I forget a touch like that? Man, I might have... Kelly Wan, you didn't remember that either. I don't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we have Chris Webb. Chris Webb, dear dingus. You put me on the no-fly list a few weeks back, and I would like to do what I can to get that ruling reversed. Unfortunately, I couldn't think up a sufficient list for your topic. However, I'll make a special executive appeal to Tom, which reads as follows. My favorite abandoned building in a motion picture is... George Clooney at the end of Michael Clayton. Specifically, his brain pan, right? Is that what we're getting at? He was scared of Chris goes on to say, I urge you to consider this statement and make the right decision. Thank you. P.S. I just saw the witch, which is great. Great is witch. Uh, so, uh, uh, that was Chris Webb, Dingus? That is Chris Webb. He's appealing I'm sorry to about you. Let him back on the fly list. We've talked a, a couple of times, specifically in the recent uh, past, about cab rides. Uh, there's a scene at the end of Michael Clayton where George Clooney has to ruminate in the back of a cab, and the camera just lets us admire his acting skills while he does that. Uh, and on this podcast, we feel that a far better example of that is Bob Hoskins in The Long Good Friday, which I believe I incorrectly called The Long Goodbye. Long Goodbye, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I and which guess, none of us caught. So right, right. that's not that's not just on you. Right. We don't claim to be intelligent. Yeah, we're not going to get things right. We're just going to say yeah. that. That's not why you listen. Uh, so you listen I, <laughs> I, I think we should let Chris back on the no, on Your the fly detector. list just because I uh, I'm down with his assessment of Clooney's airheadedness at that point, and I love me some Clooney. We all do. You just but don't want to don't, yeah, think. Yeah, don't just leave the camera on him for minutes at a time. He's not that show kind of actor. Thinking. He and, does, don't and, put him in a car, too. And also. lucky for Chris, the PSA, the Podcast Security Association, <laughs> has no idea why he was put on the fly list. So those records are gone, so he's welcome to fly. Yeah, the PSA really does keep terrible records. Like, they, yeah. if anything endures from one week to the other, they're really being striped. And that's My really 420s are totally uncollated right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Markinson can tell us why, but, you know. 
And my form six. Here we are, and he's going through security. We're just going to let Chris web through. Yeah, but that's how justice works. Uh, so that's all. That's all. I will we have. say real quick, relating to what Chris, Chris uh, Webb is saying, if if you want to just show long scenes of George Clooney without dialogue, mm-hmm. the way you do that is you have him like taking apart or building something. Uh, <laughs> and, and the movie that does that is a movie directed a by Anton, Anton Corbin called The American. Super slow, not a lot of dialogue, a lot of footage of George Clooney just like putting together a sniper rifle, and I'm okay with that. But I love that movie. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not I don't just sitting it, there but... ruminating. He's actually like doing something and concentrating on it. There's a sense of craftsmanship. and uh, yeah. I thought when you were talking about him building stuff, you were going to start to wax poetic about Tomorrowland. <laughs> oh, he is in that. God, right. Wow. I forgot he, he was He makes in... a bunch of rockets. Right. Yeah. Huh. And then she drinks Coke. All right. Do you guys have any uh, runners-up? Uh, I Kelly Wan, should why why did no one bring up the entire mall in Dawn of the Dead? Um, I think you know I was thinking about yeah. the mall in um Planet Earth. I mean, there's a lot of malls. Yeah, it's a very juicy topic, like way more than I first thought. Well, just, At first, I was all, huh? What? Even the the store in Twenty Eight Weeks Later, or Twenty Eight Days Later, that they stop in, just this idea of having a store with all these consumer goods in it—you yeah. do whatever you want with all of them. They're it's all a very memorable mall. Too. Well, I was thinking of the hospital in Twenty Eight Days Later, the beginning. I mean, isn't that basically an abandoned building? Yeah, yeah, that kind of establishes what the something's really wrong, crazy. I love the fact that he. But I don't like care about the building. I love the fact that he gathers up a bunch of sodas in a in a yeah. plastic bag. Like, man, yeah. I might need these. <laughs> yeah, me too. I love that too. Yeah. Bad boys. <laughs> uh, there's a really um, I don't know how to characterize this. It's it's unconventional. Uh, there's a couple scenes in it that really freaked me out. Uh, a horror movie called Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee. It's about. Oh. Why are you laughing at that, Kelly Wan? It's not funny. <laughs> what are you laughing it sounds at? Sounds like a made-up title. It's awesome. No, it's actually – this is one of those rare things. It's, I forget the director's name, but he's a guy who ran a horror magazine for, for many, many years and at one point decided – you know, he's such a fan of the genre – decided, I'm going to make my own movie. Normally, that movie would probably suck. Last Will of uh, and Testament of Rosalind Lee does not suck at all. Um, super creepy, super slow, but it's about this guy whose mother has just died, and he is coming to her house to stay there while they do the whole estate processing. Um, and her house is just full of weird, creepy stuff. Uh, most of the movie takes place in that house, and he discovers mysterious things. Um, but What's the name it's of very it? Because it sounds like it's like of a piece with the disappearance of Alice Creed, the way that the title just flows. Well, uh, I guess so, yeah. It's The Last Will or and Clash Testament. Titans. No, not The Clash of the Titans. <laughs> uh, Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee. Is the prequel they made after that called the next to last Will and Testament of The penultimate Will and Testament of <laughs> Will and Testament. Vanessa Redgrave is in it, if you guys care about that sort of thing. She's famous. She's, she's my she's third from, favorite. She's from Grandpa movies. Hmm. Yeah. Is, there, is her last name a spoiler for what's inside the house? You're just going to have to find out. Oh, just tell you're, me. You're like, you should actually see Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee. It might not be for Dinkus. It's definitely for you. Jesus, nothing's for <laughs> nothing's me. Nothing's for you. I'm not going to be know, able to see any movies this year. <laughs> do you know about a short Kelly Wan called The Facts in the Case of Mr. Hollow? I know about a short yeah, Kelly Wan. a few bars. 
That's totally for you, too. So it's the same guy. I just looked up his name. Uh, Rodrigo Gudinho. Um, so he, he did shorts before he did Last Will and Testament of, of Rosalind Lee, one of which is called The Facts in the Case of Mr. Hollow, which is an amazing bit of partly animation, partly like stop-motion photography, uh, super freaky. And it's probably like you know four or five minutes long. I don't do shorts professionally anymore. <laughs> no, you should take a look at some of these. Hmm. Uh, and, of course, the school and children and men. Yeah. Oh. Um, hey, did you guys ever see Omega Man, the Charlton Heston pre-make? No, I try to watch that, and I just, he's such a goofball. I just can't. Yeah. I, I just... You like to watch the Republican debates, but you don't watch Omega Man? <laughs> What's wrong That's with you? Point. That's a good point. <laughs> Well, because there, there are fewer mutants in the Republican debates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? You did the wrong joke. What are you talking well, about? Goes, so he goes to the mannequin store, totally like in Vegas' is number one. Yes. Oh. And then um, the twist on what the Dingus one was is uh, there's a black lady there who's pretending to be one of the mannequins for, to be mischievous, even though he's the last man on earth. So then. He makes her. She makes him chase her around, and then they have sex later. And it's a G-rated movie, and they show her boobies. No, Kelly Wan, that's at least a PG-13. It's Heston. <laughs> Watching him have sex is good for all the digits. Any child would not be traumatized by, of course. Uh, do we consider the minds of Moria to be at a building? No, Dingus. The Balrog lives there. Duh. Yeah. Oh, darn it. Who's in the basement? <laughs> um, I, I do like come out. I do yeah. like the Jurassic World one um, uh, because I like the idea of that abandoned amusement park building that they yeah, go I into. Did. Passage of time. Um, and then I asked my my son this week. I was thinking about one of the first ones I came up with was the building that um, Black Widow is being interrogated in in the beginning of the movie. And is that an abandoned building? Um, you know, where the Avengers, sorry, um, where she's being interrogated and there's all that, those weird chains and the Russians are interrogating her and Agent Colton says, we're going to level that building. Is that an abandoned building? And, and Kimmy was very much like, well, we don't know if they're using that building for something else or what. Exactly. You don't have enough information. Your son is exactly correct. Right. And, and then yeah. I was like, well, what about the Hulk building at the end with Harry Dean Stanton? Is that an abandoned building? Well, apparently not, not since there's a dude working there. Yeah, so. yeah, it's security. They've, 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 they could afford to hire Harry Dean Stanton to, to man it. So, yeah, it's still right. used somehow. To stan it. Right. So he steered me away from both of those. Uh, all right. So then it's down to you, Kelly Wan. What is next week's topic? Three best flamethrowers. <laughs> no, really. You don't like participate. <laughs> but you but seriously, that. folks. <laughs> no, it'll be it'll be a nice short one. We can I can I'm sure there are probably about eight movies with flamethrowers that we can rip through pretty quickly. <laughs> I'll take three That's of them. Dingus, you take three of them. Kelly Wan, you take two of them and zapped. <laughs> See, telekinesis is a type of flamethrower. It's a psychic flame in a way the power of thought questions no i'm okay very specific but i'm okay with this i think we can we can do you things. are you can, I can work with this we've done lasers we've done bombs 
What else? Time to move on to flamethrowers. It's time to really to finish the trilogy. It's <laughs> a trilogy of weaponry. Trilogy. Uh, uh, Lasers, bombs, and flamethrowers. This is the three pillars of any military we've, establishment. We've done explosions. We've done lasers. Those of you are those haters out there who say it's we're running out of topics, getting tired. Well, guess what? Three best flamethrowers. Nobody's saying that, by the way. Oh, that was me, I guess. Sorry. Anyway, uh, if you wish to participate in the flamethrower contest, write your submissions towards three x three asterisk quarter to three, all spelled out. Uh, period, and then the word calm, and then submit them. Hit submit, and uh, they'll be read or misread, probably, by me in a week, after which we'll have talked about the motion picture. Am I supposed to announce that, too? Yeah, go ahead. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Love it. Since I'm in Germany and we don't get Cloverfield for another week. Much Thanks, Angela my- Merkel. I know, I know. Fuck you, Germany. Uh, we're watching, but in a way it's exciting. I'm a little more excited, actually, than my compatriots because it's a sequel to a movie we all really enjoyed and, and we're all big fans of on the podcast. It was a very oh, epic. Yeah, Dingus was very... Um, uh, affectionate towards the child <laughs> who might return. He didn't die. He might he jump off the mountain at the end of uh, Olympus Has Fallen. Uh, yeah, his uh, what was his name? Tangerine uh, Timmy. Dingus? I forget. You yes. correct. Tangerine Campbell Timmy is his name. Tangerine Timmy. Yeah, was and he Billy? jumps off a mountain at the Jimmy. end. Yeah. Uh, I believe. Yeah, and so uh, Gerard Butler is in. It's called London Has Fallen. Because oh. the White House fell in the first movie, but it was called Olympus. <laughs> so London, uh, which means London, I think. So it's, it's not another structure. Fallen? It's the city of London. Yeah, London has fallen. Right. So, so got it. Right. So he's already failed. Whatever he's trying to do. <laughs> and uh, maybe in this movie we'll find out what that. A uh, gunshot through the windshield was in the first movie. So I was a little clear on that. Remember that? I know it's been what four years, three years, three years. Jesus, will this ever end? That's what we'll be saying during the movie. London has fallen. All right, join us for that next week. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Muskley. It's Christian Muraski. That's exactly what I just said. And Kelly Wand. Also cool as ice. Uh, Everybody was kung fu Those kids were fast and I know, it's a great song. Vintage 70s. Yeah. Also, uh, Grave Encounters. That was another. Dingus, did you see Grave Encounters? Not for you? Not for Dingus. Definitely not for Dingus. I want to learn more. I want to walk the path you followed. I swore an oath to keep it secret. 
this this lie has kept apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. Now what did your choice to make? <laughs> I know which character I am. <laughs> Perhaps you need a bigger hole. Doesn't he say that? What a rascal. (laughs) She was so into him. Get a bigger hole. 